And we are recording. There we go. We started up. It's been a long time since I think people have heard an episode, but after a long time, welcome back to the Ghost of Text podcast. Uh, it's been a while. I didn't die or disappear. Uh, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a fun year. I've I haven't been able to do as much content as I wanted to. I've just been busier than I really thought I would be for that, and so I'm sure for the people that are annoyed that I expected regular content, I'm still gonna try to drop as much content as I can. Hence this episode here. But uh, we're started. We're coming back with a very special episode. I am with the very smart, very talented, and dare I say, beautiful Lola Shabuade. Hello, 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 hello! Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hi, of everybody. Course. My name is Lola of Lola's Opinions. Lola's oh, Opinions. What, yes. what, what, would, what would that happen to be? So I actually do have a YouTube channel. It's called Lola's Opinions. And my YouTube channel is basically, I do some commentary, some fashion, some beauty. Um, And so, yeah, follow me, you know, subscribe to my channel. Also follow me on Instagram, Lola Love. And it's so interesting um, for my YouTube channel. I originally started it to do movie reviews. Um... And I have done some movie reviews, like I did some summer of 2019 movie reviews. Um, but I've been doing, as of late, I guess wrapped up a TV show, which I uh, reviewed all of season four of Insecure on HBO. So wow. if you're an Insecure watcher, I did um, cover the whole series. I'm about to do a wrap-up cast um, next week. So yeah, so yeah, I have a YouTube channel that's where people may or may not know me from. So, yeah. But follow her channel, Lola's Opinions. I've watched it. I, I, I really like her content. Oh, thank you. You're very you're very thorough and concise with your thoughts. That's what I like. You're very to the point with it. You don't really kind of stretch out before you say the point. You get right to it. I try um, to do that. I try to. One thing I want to start asking is, like, for, for instance, you review a lot of Insecure episodes. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you like about that show? So what I like about Insecure is I think that it gets very true to life. We don't have a lot of black media, media period, but specifically in TV, that just kind of show the everyday young black woman experience. I mean, black people experience in general, but especially young black woman experience. So I really like Insecure because you just have like these regular women, right? They're not really feeding into any Mm -hmm. trope. It's not the strong black woman trope or like the baby mama trope or the Jezebel trope. It's just kind of like, this is like me and my friends. And I never really had that in the TV show because I used to like be a heavy, heavy, heavy consumer of television. Not so much anymore. But um, I used to be like heavily, like heavily consumer of television. Me so um, when Insecure came out, I think it's been about five years now because they had like a year and a half break between season three and season four. Um, I was just blown away. I was just blown away. Like, whoa, this is me and my friends. So I started my YouTube channel early 2019. And so um, when Insecure came back out in 2020, I was like, oh, man, like I have my channel. It's like grown a little bit. I have to review Insecure because like this is this is a show like I'm deeply invested in and I'm deeply passionate about. Well, good. Yeah. And the 
podcasts that I've heard of Insecure, they were produced by HBO. So they weren't really critiquing anything because HBO is not going to critique, really yeah. critique their own content, right? So they weren't really critiquing anything. So I was like, you know what? I I decided to review kind of like a type of podcast or a type of review that I would want to see. And so that's what made me like start reviewing Insecure. And then that's why I like it. I think it's just like a really well-produced show. And that, that's a good that's a good place of mind to come off of, though, when you want to make content is because a lot of people who make really good content are making the stuff that they would want to enjoy mm-hmm. or they would want to take a part of because... You know, there's a lot of kinds of content these days, especially in the YouTube community that I'm sure you can agree with. That's like, if not pandering, it's just not really doing much of anything. Right. Completely agree. Completely agree. Or especially like you said, with reviewers. I mean, these days, a lot of the companies that review stuff are owned by the companies that are making the content. Right. So there's a conflict of interest uh-huh. in that. So I, I do like a lot of third party reviewing. And the thing I've noticed a lot lately for that for me is video games. I would mm-hmm. see. A lot of like companies that you can tell they kind of got paid to give it a better review or maybe even a worse review. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is interesting. Are there maybe any other shows you might want to do that for, like episode by episode? You know, I don't know. I've been thinking um, what is coming out, but like with you know the Rona right now, a lot of new TV is like pause um, because like people can't finish production and yeah. things like that. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to be doing any more like episode by episode coverage. Um, but I do think that it's certain shows that I've watched that I definitely want to do coverage over. Um, maybe it's like a series coverage or like a season coverage. Um, like Hulu has a show called Normal People that I really enjoyed. And I think I'm going to do some coverage over. It was just a one season miniseries, 12 episodes and done. Um, and I think I want to do a review over that. Hulu also has Shrill, and then there's a couple of old shows that I watch that I'm that I'm definitely thinking about doing a review, like Frasier, which is one that I love, um, Scrubs, which is one that I love. Um, Scrubs actually just came out with the podcast with um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Oh, really? Yeah, doing a rewatch that. of the uh, show. So um, there's a couple of shows that are in the canon. Um, so I'm open to doing it. If I'm going to put one more show in your ear okay. to try out on Hulu, it's not a Hulu original. It's from FX. It's called Fargo. Fargo is one I was going to cover because this new season has Chris Rock in it. It does. It has but Chris they, Rock, yeah. Jason Schwartz. Yes. I was going to do coverage I, I of Fargo. I love that show. It's, it's the most intense, like crime show i think I yes yes i've actually never watched it i've heard nothing the good first things. season is enough to make your brain explode really with how good the content yeah is. i've heard it was and really good i like watching it because the guy noah hawley who helped do, like write and direct it mm-hmm. it was very interesting because he directs the show and he writes it as a 10-hour movie instead mm-hmm. of writing it as a series so it's really it's, it's edited and filmed as a 10-hour movie and they just yeah, chop they slice it, it. Nice, but no, Fargo was definitely one that I was going to try because I really like, I mean, the trailer, right, didn't really give anything away. It was just like Chris Rock and then the other guys, his name is leaving me right now. But I was like, I think I'm going to watch Fargo. But then with the Rona, 
um, they couldn't finish up filming, so they had to push the release date back. But, but there's other three yeah. seasons on there, and what makes it so good is it's anthology based. So yeah, so each you can season go, is, is a new own. crime and a mm-hmm. new story, and they bring in celebrities in each season. So like yeah. the first season's big one was Martin Freeman from Sherlock, mm, and Billy Bob Thornton, the, the guy. and uh, who else was in it? The guy from oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Dennis from It's Always oh, okay. Sunny in Philadelphia, was in it. The second season had uh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, from Bring It On. And then the third season had Ewan McGregor. <laughs> okay. So they, uh, and the third season also had uh, Professor Lupin from Harry Potter. Oh, nice. He well, was playing you know, a mob boss. So well, you was... know, a Harry Potter, we're going to get into Harry Potter. We're um, Harry Potter. But yeah. Okay, so I, I think I'm going to go so, check it out. So speaking of movies, you know, and stuff like that, and actors, like what what's your favorite movie? Oh my gosh, what a loaded question. I Okay, what's, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite movie. I can give you movies that I love to watch that no matter what, I can always go to it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm just going to say the Harry Potter series. I'm going to cheat a little bit because it's um, eight movies because seven is split into two. Seven, seven is split into two movies, right? Yeah. So you could argue that it's eight parts, though, of one century. Yeah, story. so I so probably could just argue that it's a very, very, very long movie. Exactly, like Harry Potter. When someone says favorite, right? Like I think of my de- my Desert Island movie, right? Yeah. Desert Island. I think that's it. So, like, what yeah, movie can I just take and rewatch and be fine? And I'm gonna go with. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. That's, um, that's I, I think that's a fair one. For a long time, I would have said like Lord of the Rings okay. because I I think it. I feel like it's as a whole, it's much better than when I watch them in individual pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, individual pieces they're all great movies in their own way, but I feel like I enjoy it the most when it's mm-hmm. all one. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So I would that, do Harry Potter or Kill Bill. Oh, Kill Bill's good. Yeah, Kill Bill. I, I can admit, though, it? that I, I'm recently coming around to Kill Bill. I spent a long time not liking Kill Bill that much. Really? I kind of, I don't know, I just found it. I, when I was younger, I felt a little bit bored from it. But I can say I love part one. Part two, I like certain things about part two. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm not as, you know, as wholesome loving of part two as yeah. I am part one. Part two is not as action, I, action, but yeah. part two has some good, I like, just felt like part two, iconic fight scenes. I feel like part two wasn't as tonally consistent with mm-hmm. the first one. It felt like two movies. It didn't feel like one whole movie did mm-hmm. it into two parts. Although mm-hmm. we did write it as one whole thing. Yeah. But it just They did felt, seem very separate. Yes. They They seem very separate. They feel separate. So that I would think was probably probably why I didn't like part two as much as part one Mm -hmm. but that's cool so speaking of that like do you have a favorite director favorite filmmaker so my thing with directors is that um when I was thinking about this question I really came to the conclusion that I don't really have a favorite director I have directors that I like but when I think about the directors that I like there's no director that I've seen all of their their whole body of work there's mm-hmm. no director that I've like seen everything they've done or even everything but that they've done that I've even liked. That's kind of hard because like you can't like for instance Steven Spielberg. Like I, I love Steven Spielberg, but I can wholeheartedly admit I have not seen every single one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I mean, but say like okay, this director directs something. So when I think of favorite, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. This director directs the movie, I'm going to see it. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, I'm going to see it. 
And the closest person that I have to that, which is going to be so cheesy and don't cancel me, would probably be Guy Ritchie. And the mm. only reason why I'm going to say Guy Ritchie is because he has made two of my, like, rewatchable movies. Like, people don't really buy movies anymore, right? Well, I don't feel like people just, like, buy movies anymore, right? But, like, the last, like, five movies I bought or, like, the the only movies that I've bought on video on demand are Guy Ritchie movies. And that is The Gentleman that came out in 2019, which, like, really good. I'm obsessed with. And then um, King Arthur, which I feel like people really King slept Arthur, on King Arthur. I was going to say, King Arthur kind of felt like a sleeper hit. It's going to yeah. be more of a cult classic all Yes. The time. I feel like people really did not the give CGI King Arthur. is what I yeah. liked. And it really, I mean, I think it came out in, like, 2017. Um, but... Like, people really slept on that movie, and it's fine. Like, people love to sleep on Charlie Hunnam. It's fine. Um, but so, yeah, Guy Ritchie is someone that I like, really like. Paul Feig is someone that I really like. And then, of course, I don't know about Paul, Paul Feig, because he's cheesy. He's, he's giving cheesy. you the cheesy Here's fun the thing. Here's the thing, though. He, he hooks on to his cheesiness in his movies, but I feel like... He doesn't have the same discipline other directors have of trying to expand on that He doesn't style. have the range. He, yeah, I, he does not have the because range. Because it's like, it's one thing to be cheesy, but then I think like when he took his cheesiness of say something like The Office, when he wrote The mm-hmm. Office and was working on that, and he would build off of actors' chemistry and mm-hmm. have them do that, he kind of focused on that too hard for his other stuff. Like when I saw Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. his version of Ghostbusters, yeah. I was like... You picked really great actors to be in this. Like I, I like I, every each one of these people was individually funny, but he just threw them in scenes and was like, it, okay, you know, improv, it. improv. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's one thing when it's people working in an office space that have worked together for years mm-hmm. versus these new friends that are meeting up and yeah. they're supposed to be killing ghosts. Like that's <laughs> this isn't. It's weird to just kind of like build off of that, and especially when you work with Ghostbusters, something where the comedy is like written yeah. like buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it felt and like the characters it, might not necessarily have that chemistry, or yeah. not the characters, but the actors, yeah, or actresses in this you know instance of the one that he directed might not have that chemistry. However, I am a fan. I love Melissa McCartney and a lot of my favorite Melissa McCartney movies he has directed, mm-hmm. which is why I had to say Paul Feig because did I he know direct, he's... Did uh, Tammy? Um, I don't know if he directed Tammy, but I know he did Bridesmaids. I know he did He and I know he did Spy, which are like three of my like favorite Melissa McCartney um, roles, like especially Spy. Like I actually bought Spy on like DVD. Oh, really? Yeah, and then like Jason Statement, like Spy was, I don't even like, um, I'm looking at his face right now. It's leaving me, but um, Jude Law. Yeah, Jude Law. I didn't even like Jude Law, but um, Jude Law was really good in Spy. Like I just, I really enjoy Spy. Um, And I really like a lot of Melissa McCartney's uh, Earlier, like, funny, like, slapstick uh, films were with Paul Feig. So, I had to name him. And then, of course, I still love the, uh, like, Malcolm D. Wood, who did, like, The Best Man and uh, Girls Trip. So, like, of course, those are movies that I adore. And then my friend who just passed, John Singleton, who did, like, Boys in the Hood. He did, um, which was one of my favorite movies for the longest time, Baby Boy. So, yeah, of course, like, I have those who made, like, you know, black classic movies. Movies that, like, I can definitely rewatch all the time. I mean, Best Man Holiday was, like, 
the amount of tears that I shed in that movie theater. And I was like, stop crying. But I could not stop. So, yeah, those are some directors it, that I it, like. It is weird when you find a movie like that, isn't it? Like, yes. where, like, you're in a movie theater packed with people and, like, you, like, cannot control how, like, <laughs> That's how movie. I was the best way For me, that was um, when I saw Silence. Okay. Which is funny because I normally don't like Martin Scorsese's, like, newer movies. Mm-hmm. But that movie, like, hit me so hard. And it's like, I, I would say that the movie's objectively good. I just personally can't, like, go back into it that much because it mm-hmm. just destroys me. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very painful movie to watch, but it has a lot of... I don't know it's one of those movies where you find the hope yourself as an audience member. When right, you it. it gives you a very visceral reaction. Yes, like the reaction is very. And honestly, I really like Martin Scorsese. Um, I have not seen, maybe I haven't even seen. I haven't even seen like half of his discography, but I or if you've filmography. Seen one, you've seen them all. <laughs> I probably should say filmography because he's a director. Um, but I just like his style. I like his. I like his swag. I guess I I like him. I like him. I think that the Oscars definitely hold him in 2019 um, and did it. Oh, no. No, 2020. Oh, no, 2019. I don't know. Whenever the last Oscars was. That's I guess, 2020. I guess it's 2020 because the Oscars in February, right? Yeah. Child with this Rona. I don't know. What day is it? I don't even know. Um, even though I was like, I was happy with Bong Joon-ho when the Parasite win because I really enjoyed that movie. That's That did surprise me. I didn't think it was going to crush that much. I didn't. I was so happy that it did. Yeah, I was, it, it but felt like even, a good step for kind of expanding their choices. Yeah, but they'll just go back. They did the same thing in 2016 when uh, Moonlight won. And then... Oh, my God. Was that that cringy shit where they, like, read the wrong Yeah, with La La Land. And they yeah. were like, oh, La La Land won. And everybody's clamoring, like, what's going and on? And they're like, oh, no. It was really Moonlight. Uh, Moonlight. Yeah. so awkward. So they, so the Oscars will throw a bone every, you know, four years presidential election, I guess. I um, would say I would say Green Book was throwing a bone. I don't know if that's controversial. Green Book was so trash. Like, okay, thank you. Oh, no, okay, thank you. I don't you. even know anyone in real life who likes Green Book. Here's I don't know Here's anyone in real life who likes Green Book. For, I don't know. I feel like Green Book is one of those movies that opens the door for like so many fake pretentious people to right. talk about it and be like, this movie was so deep. I'm like, well, first of all, let's take a step back and realize this movie is directed by the same guy that made Dumb and Dumber. So <laughs> right. let's take a look at that. Second of all. The, 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 I'm sorry, but for me, for a movie that wants to talk about racial issues, that's fine and put a limelight on it, okay. But you can't, you have to do something more than racism is bad. Yeah, it was so, so elementary. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know, I don't know anyone in real life. I don't know what, like, I listen to a lot of, like, podcasts and movie commentary and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't even know any critics or anybody. No one like, I know that like that. changed my life. No like, one liked that movie. Everyone's just like, what green book it goes from oh man and then i think in his acceptance speech he was like we all just need to be a little nicer to each other like really that's gonna end racism just be nicer to each other like girl and yes i said girl girl sit down so um yeah but the oscars they they tried it but yeah no bonju how i was so happy that parasite won like i really liked that movie i was really like shooken Buy it, and then also I like how uh, Bong Joon Ho. He did a couple things with the Oscars that I liked, but I really liked his like, um, like thank you to Martin Scorsese. Like he really took because Martin Scorsese paved the way for yes, a lot of people, and he and he did a thank you to Quentin Tarantino. Like, 
babe. I don't think we've experienced it yet, but I feel like Quentin Tarantino's gonna start this new generation of directors. Well, I, I do love Quentin. And then his like half, uh, his half thank you to, I don't even, Tom, whoever directed The Joker. Oh, you're talking about Todd Phillips? Todd, Todd Phillips. He was like, oh yeah, and Todd Phillips. Because <laughs> The Joker was trash. But anyway, let's, not, let's not shake the room. Let's not shake the room with The Joker was trash. But it was. But um, I would say that I'm willing to hear it's trash from the writing standpoint. I just don't want to. I feel like there's the so cinematography many, was nice. The cinematography for me it was the music. The music was phenomenal. The music was good, and the when cinematography. You, the, the, I will the give you those two things. Music in that, and the cinematography. I loved the color grading. I will give you that. The I cinematography the gray, was nice, and I liked the way they they did the set design because I was telling a friend of mine like that felt like an actual fucked up Gotham. When mm. you watch it, because when you think of Batman in that universe, you think like, oh, Gotham's supposed to be this messed up city that's supposed mm-hmm. to clean up. But then when they show like the Christopher Nolan ones, it looks like New York, like right. the stock exchange. Right. But this one, they've got like, they're like in the background, they've got like, there's a trash, there's a trash man, uh, what's mm-hmm. it called? Uh, uh, what, uh, what's that word? I can't believe I forgot that word. Um, uh, whenever the, you stop working, like everybody st- agrees to stop working. Oh, a strike? Strike, yeah. There's a okay. trash man strike. And okay, okay. So there's like trash everywhere on the streets, mm-hmm. and all there's like all the graffiti on every single mm-hmm. part of the wall. So the set design you really yeah, like? Yeah, it just made it feel nice, like dirty. Yeah, and gritty, and yeah. like how Gotham is like kind of. I'm not gonna act like I know the lore of Batman. I've seen a lot of Batman movies. Oh, but I'm not gonna it's, act like I like the lore. It's, wi- it's for a lot of people that want to be nerdy, like on that end to be like, well, there's so much more. It's not. You got what you get for Batman. Okay. It, I, Gotham's I will a say, dirty city. His parents got killed. That's it. I will definitely say I thought that the um, cinematography was, I thought it was beautifully shot. I really like the cinematography. I can definitely agree with you with the music. Um, I just, everything with the message and Joker and even Joaquin... I love Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I think that this performance, you know, like I think he deserved his Oscar. Yeah, Joaquin is very. He loves to like get inside of the role. He's like he's an actor's actor, right? Mm-hmm. So even like him and her, like I didn't like the movie Her, but oh, I loved her. I liked, I liked what he was doing in her. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't the kind like whatever. But so. Joaquin was fine. The set design was fine. I just didn't really like the message of the Joker, but I can't go down this whole Joker uh, rabbit hole thing again. But yeah, so those are, um, I think we were talking about directors. Yeah, we were talking, we were talking okay. about from Scorsese <laughs> and all of the thank yous. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but, so those are some of the directors so, that I like. So you're earlier talking about uh, Charlie Hunnam and The Gentleman. Would you say Charlie Hunnam's your favorite actor? Okay, so I'm not going to say that Charlie Hunnam is my favorite actor because. I, I mean, I've seen almost everything that he's done, and I like everything that he's done, but I just feel like his uh, resume isn't long enough to say that he's my favorite, but anything that Charlie Hunnam is in, I'm going to see it. I'm mm. going to see it. Like, I'm going to... Lost World of... Lost City of Z, I oh, saw yeah. it in the movie theater, okay? Um, Papillion. I saw it in the movie theater, like, whatever. Wasn't he, like, the first choice for Christian Grey? He was the first choice, and he did agree to do it. But see, the thing with Charlie Hunnam is, oh, this is my theory anyway, I know it to be true, is that he has no interest in being, like, a super sexy megastar 
type of actor. Fair. He just, he looks at projects and if he wants to do the project, then he'll do the project, no matter how big or small it may be. So I think when he saw that the Fifty Shades was supposed to be like this, this like mom, well not mom, but it was supposed to be like this big like superstar, sexy thing. He was like... It's supposed to be a blockbuster. Yeah, he wasn't really interested in playing that kind of role or doing that kind of thing. So I think that's why he backed out of it. But then he, he did stuff like... um. Like the movie that I love, like King Arthur. Like King Arthur was King Arthur was supposed to be like a trilogy. It was supposed to be multiple. I don't know necessarily a trilogy, but it was supposed to have multiple movies. But the first one didn't do that well, so of course that guy can. So I don't think he's opposed to doing big things. It just has to be something that is aligned aligned with something that he wants to do. So yeah, I'm not gonna say he's my favorite, but like. I'm going to say that I love him the most. Like, he's the one that, like, no matter what he's doing, I'm watching it. Maybe maybe a better way to ask it would be, who do you think is the best actor? Okay, so if I had said, who do I think is the best actor, like, like of all time? It could be of all time. It could be of recent memory for me. Like, if you ask me, of all time, it's Robert De Niro. Okay, yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay, so, okay, so, I don't even know how to answer that question. But who I say is... An actor who kills it for me every time and who and who has the range, she can do so many things. It's not like it's not a fun, it's not anything. It's Meryl Streep. Like Meryl, Meryl Streep, my good sis Meryl, she can do it all, honey. Like Meryl Streep can do it all. Meryl Streep has I the range. Like you could see her in almost anything. You can see her in anything. She'll so, play like a wicked witch in one movie, then she'll play like a nurse in another. Right, movie. like she She's, she is, does have range. I will admit, I don't necessarily like her as a person. Why Meryl Streep? No, Meryl Streep is not problematic. She was, she was out here trying to defend fucking Harvey Weinstein when that. Okay, shit well went the down. thing with Harvey Weinstein, like I mean, she knew what he was doing, but so did everybody. Yeah. But she was like a close friend with him, and then so did everybody. She was over here talking so about board of poor, poor Roman Polanski for getting locked up after he. Uh, yeah, but when you're in Hollywood, you'll be you'll be surprised. You, I mean, I'm not even gonna get started on the type. I was of gonna nonsense say maybe that's that, too much of a diversion because that's just a whole other bucket of worms. Right, but no, I I like Meryl Streep. I think like it. But I like I said, objectively, I'm, I, my point is objectively, I can see yeah, that she's, she's a, got such big range. Yeah, she, she has the range, anything. honey. And then of course, like the Disney. Zells, the Bruce Willis. I mean, Bruce Willis has kind of fallen off in the last couple of years. He be, he be I doing straight to DVD Willis movies. Bruce Willis can do any movie. But I, I don't love know him if that still. means he's a good a good enough actor to do any kind of movie. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. He can it do any sense. movie, yes. but a lot of movies, they have him be the same kind of Right, guy. right. Okay, yes. I can definitely agree with that. He, His he has character a type fits into yeah, the movie. Which versus is, Meryl Streep, where she will conform to mm-hmm, the movie she's mm-hmm. in. I think a good middle person is... Like um, like a Denzel Washington or a Tom Hanks, that they kind of bring. I would say more Denzel Washington. They bring their what? Well, the thing I said with Tom Hanks is when you have Tom Hanks in a role, he kind of just has that earnest, earnesty about him that it doesn't even matter really what he's doing. You don't need that much of a reason to root for him because it's like Tom Hanks kind of brings that that good guy type of thing, and then Denzel. Like Denzel also brings his like you're just gonna root for him. You don't even need to know why you're rooting for him. 
you're just gonna root for him. So, um, I think that so of course that he's one of them. Um, I really like a young actress who's who's she's young, but she's like been out here. It's like Saoirse Ronan. I really enjoy Saoirse Ronan. Um, someone who's more like on the TV side, who's done film. I guess probably more film than TV. I'm not sure what you would really consider her, but like Issa Rae, she's really good. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield, I think that he's doing. Oh, like, he's, he's he's so good. He's, he can he can do anything too right now. Yeah, he's, he can really do I'm anything him in too. Almost everything, which isn't going to complain because he's actually yeah. trying in every role. But I like that he's going and trying more stuff. I was going to say one that I've been liking a lot recently. Just the more and more I've been watching his movies. I mean, he's been around long enough, obviously. But is uh, Ryan Gosling. There's so many different movies where I see his acting where he can be very funny or he can be very serious and he can play all kinds of things like Blade Runner to Lars and the Real Girl to Crazy Stupid Love, all those Give movies he does. Ryan Gosling his Oscar. What? Ryan Gosling is so good. Like, people really sleep on Ryan Gosling and it's very, like, give Ryan Gosling his things. Ryan Gosling is amazing. Ryan Gosling can do anything. He can do anything. I don't know about his life partner choices. It's fine. I don't care for Eva Mendes. But I love Ryan Gosling. Like, what? Oh, give Ryan, give Ryan Gosling his flowers. Like, I, I completely agree. I love Ryan Gosling. What? <sighs> yes. Noah, okay, don't play with me. No, Ryan Gosling is amazing. He's done so many things, even from like Blue Valentine, like Blue, oh, Valentine. I about Blue Valentine. Yes, he's so good. Like, what? And even Ryan Gosling was in The Good Guys, right? He was in The, he good, was guys with the good Guys with, um, Russell Crowe. with Russell Crowe. Yes, like, he, oh, give Ryan Gosling his things. So, yeah, I'm definitely really into him. Um, then, of course, Matthew McConaughey, especially he's from Texas. I love Matthew McConaughey. We'll see whatever he's in. I love Stanley Tucci. Oh, really? I love Stanley Tucci. Like, what? Um, Mary Weaver, I feel like Mary Weaver, she's been doing, um, she just recently had like a mini series on HBO, and which I really, was really, really, really good. She had like the smallest part in a marriage story, which was also really good. I love Mary Weaver. Give her her things. Um, I cannot wait to see what she does. I think she's doing really interesting stuff. She's kind of doing a little bit more TV mm. um, than movies, but I I absolutely adore Mary Weaver. Um, who else? And then, of course, you know, Samuel Jackson, Julia Roberts. I mean, I... I love all those girls. Kate Hudson, she hasn't done anything in a while, but Kate Hudson can give you a romantic comedy. Bring back romantic comedies. We want them back. Um, and yeah, so those are those are some of my top actors and actresses who they have a movie like nine times out of ten. I'm going to see it for sure. There you go. But th- those movies, I feel like I feel like actors like that that can switch up in all those different roles it feels like weirdly in the last like year or so we're not seeing as many new actors that are trying that so i was just having this conversation that this generation we don't have movie stars we don't have movie stars we have ip right like nobody's going to the movies for for Sir Ronan. I mean, you 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 kind of have like the Timothy Chalamets 
And the, I literally, that's the only Are you person talking I can more like on like a Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise Yes. Level. Like people was going, well, Denzel can actually still bring the girls out. Denzel can still bring the girls out. But you're talking but like, about newer people. Yeah, exactly. Necessarily. That's old school. Like this, the new young and Hollywood. For, for all we know, it could be, it could be just, we could be like in a, like, you know, in an inhale moment before we get a lot more. Or these new I actors think it's may IP. be waiting for their chance to start booming. It's I think just, it's IP. Know. I think IP is the only thing getting the girls out to the movies. Because if you think about someone who's like top, 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 top. Say like. Chris Evans. Yeah. People uh, are not going to see a Chris Evans movie. People will go see Captain America. But people aren't going to see Chris Evans. That's fair. I was going to say another one, which I don't know if this is the best example. But an example I hear a lot, weirdly, is... um. Noah Centineo. I feel like a lot of... I do love Noah Centineo. Uh, whatever his last name is. So can't say it. Centineo. Centineo. Yes. Peter Kavinsky. That's what I know him as. Yes. I rest my case. <laughs> yes. So it feels like whenever I hear people, you know, talking about his roles and stuff or talking about like how he was in that Charlie's Angels movie. People, he was. People are just like, oh, Peter Kaczynski's over in yes, Charlie's Angels. Not so much of like, oh, let's see what he's doing with, you know, that, that I, you know, going into that, that franchise. So I, that's one example, I think, of somebody who's not really, which I don't think is necessarily his fault. I think it's, yeah. I think a lot of those shifts in movies is kind of more on the audience than it is on Hollywood because mm-hmm. Hollywood is based off of the audience. Right. But speaking, That's what I said. Maybe speaking of Tim- Hollywood, what a, what a crazy time for Hollywood right now. Can you believe that? I mean, I I mean, a part of me wants to say like F Hollywood, right? But I mean, I, as a movie consumer, I do love movies and Hollywood makes movies, right? Yeah. So it is definitely a crazy time to be in that industry. It's a crazy time to be in that It was a crazy sure. time to be trying to release a movie during this time. Like, mm-hmm. I was hyped for so many movies that were already supposed to be out by now. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so excited for the new James Bond. Yeah. That was supposed to be, like, my birthday movie to go to theaters. Oh. And then that got delayed, and so I was like, that's a bummer. And then I really loved A Quiet Place. So I was like, I want to see A Quiet mm-hmm. Place Part 2. Yes, I do. And that got delayed. And so I was like, oh, this is a bummer. And some of them are going video on demand, which is okay, but, like, we were talking about the other night, the thing that's not fair, like, when we were talking about King of Staten Island, like, uh-huh. in order to watch these movies on video on demand, it's $20 to right, rent it. Right, right. Not even to just, happened. like, oh, you own it, or you pay, like, maybe 10 bucks to watch it once. It's like, mm-hmm. well, 20 bucks is to rent it and yeah. once. And I'm like, that's not even fucking fair. Yeah, okay, so devil's advocate on that a little bit. I totally agree. You get it for for nineteen ninety nine. You get to watch it for as many times for forty eight hours. Now, if you are going on, if you're taking your family to the movies, right? Movies are minimum like ten dollars a ticket, eight ten dollars a ticket. You're taking a family of four. That's forty bucks right there just on tickets, not including you know popcorn or whatever. So for some people, it may be more economical just to rent. A movie for twenty bucks, so it's like. But do you want the experience? Yes, of the I'd movie say, but this, that's where it gets complicated because you have to ask yourself what exactly you're paying for out of all this. Uh-huh. Because my theory, as this goes forward, once this coronavirus thing passes forward, is I really think we're going to start entering a new era where movie theaters are optional. So when a movie comes out, they're going to say you can watch it on video on demand, uh-huh. or you can go to the movie theater and watch it. 
So those are going to be your options. So now it's going to fit into two different kinds of people. The ones who are like, look, I, I like the comfort of my own home. I like having my own popcorn. I'd be like being able to pause the movie when I have to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. I like not having to be around other people mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Then there's people, like, for instance, like me, who's like a movie theater is like my home away from home. Right. I like the smell of popcorn in the lobby. Yeah. I I, like, you like the experience. I like getting to sit in the seats and all of that. So it's now when it comes to the pricing, it turns more into a question of, Am I paying for this movie or am I paying for the experience of seeing this movie in a theater? Because if it's not, if it's just the movie at this point, you're renting a seat. Right, right. No, I completely agree. But I want to go back to your point of it's going to be, you can watch it in the theater or you can watch it at home. AMC has already said they're not going for that. And AMC is the biggest movie theater chain in the United States. And they've already said, like, if you are going to be releasing movies, both, you're, we're not playing your movie in our movie theater. Because, like, that's, a, that's movie theater's bread and butter, right? Being able to say, like, only you can only watch this movie here. You can only do this here. And if you can watch it at home, then, mo- I'm not, well, I would think that most people would choose to watch it at home. Now, me as in Lola, I like to go to the movies. The movies is an experience that I that I'm willing to pay for. Even with AMC, I'm an AMC Stubbs member. Like I pay the yearly um, subscription, whatever, so that like I can have the shorter lines and I can do all the other like to get the points and blah blah blah. Because that's something that I'm personally willing to pay for because I like to pay for experience. I was talking to my sister about like. I will watch a B-rated movie. I will go to the theater to watch a B-rated movie I'll, that I wouldn't watch at home. Yeah. Like, well, I will go movies... watch a lower movie because I want to go see it on the TV, see yeah. it on the big screen, be in my seat, eating my popcorn, drinking my iron seat to get to go see, like, a regular fun romp. Like, when Charlie's Angels came out, or like I love Charlie's Angels. Fast and Furious is another one. Yeah, like, I love that movie. I, but I would have never watched that movie at home. I was like, oh, let me rank Charlie's Angels. I mean, I did, but that's because I, I already saw it in the theater. But, like, I'm not going to watch it at home. Like, I want to watch something that I know is going to be good. And that's something that's home watchable. But, like, a B movie, a C movie, oh, yeah, no problem. And I'm going to watch that in the movie theater. Another further complication of this is also that some directors will make their movies intentionally in a way where the first viewing of it should be in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Christopher Nolan's movies. I was movies. just going to say Like, that. look at Interstellar. That movie's right. made to be seen in IMAX. And I remember right. when he released um, Dunkirk. And my first thing was like, I'm not making the same mistake I made with Interstellar with waiting until DVD. Mm-hmm. I'm going to it, and I'm going to it in IMAX. And mm-hmm. I didn't regret it at all. Like, mm-hmm. a movie theater experience is kind of the thing for some directors. Right, right. So... And Christopher Nolan's not letting his movie come out on no VOD. Like, what? He's not doing that. He's not doing that. Please. Especially not Tenet. Right. I haven't haven't watched a single trailer for Tenet. I'm just, I'm starting to do a new thing with movies now where I want to see what happens when I go as blind as I can possibly be. Wow. I only know like maybe two people that are in Tenet and one of them is Robert Pattinson and then I think Denzel's kids. Yeah, Isaiah Washington. Uh Uh-huh. So, those are the only people I know that are in it, and I don't know what it's about. I don't know anything of what it is. Really? I don't know so what topic it, it deals with. I want to experience it completely blind because I feel like Christopher Nolan's vision in the last couple movies he's made has been like kind of 
trying to tap into his own audience's imagination. Uh-huh. So I want to be able to just kind of do that. Because the more and more I think about it, I'm like, damn, I would have loved to have gone into Inception blind, not knowing what Inception was about. How many Have you rewatched Inception? It's been a long time. Yeah. But I remember the last time I saw it, I was like, I don't know. And then I saw Interstellar a couple months ago, and I was like, I would have liked to have gone into this not knowing anything. I mean, maybe not The Dark Knight, because obviously it's a Batman movie. <laughs> I would have gone in and been like, who's this rich guy? Why is Paris there? I think this guy's just ripping off Batman. <laughs> like, oh, wait. It, it's like, a, oh, it's a Batman movie. Okay. I feel like I've seen this already. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. That's, well, that's funny. But I have, like, I've watched, I've watched, a, I think, like, two trailers for Tenet. I, like, like Tenet would have been, like, I would have went to see Tenet. I would have went to see Tenet, like, I don't even care about, I'm not like, oh, Christopher Nolan, I gotta go see his movie, I gotta go, I don't, I'm not. I'm that way with his movies, I gotta see it. I'm not even that way, but, like, I, me and my husband would have went to see Tenet Friday night, like, day night, like, we would have went to see that movie because that's what we do, that's what I like to do, I like to go to the movies, like. I like to go to the movies. Like, so as far as like the state of the movie theater and the movie experience, I personally feel like when we do, when, when we do open back up and get to some type of normalcy, I think that people are going to be so stars for being at home, watching movies at home, doing stuff at home that the movie theater industry is gonna, it's gonna peak a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. Movie theaters, have been on the decline since forever. 2020 already was going to be really bad for movie theaters because like I said, IP is what really drives movie theaters and the movie movie business. Like even last year, I mean, we had some big movies come out last year. I mean, Avengers ended last year. We had Lion King. We had Aladdin. We, had, But I mean, all of that stuff is IP, right? Like none of that is the last big I mean, what was the last big box office that wasn't IP? That wasn't franchised? Yeah. Baby Driver is the last one I could think of. And Baby Driver came Baby Driver came out in 2017. Yeah. So that's 3 years ago. Like But that but again, that's off of my personal memory. For all I know, somebody could argue and be like, like somebody could probably tweet me after this and be like, "What about this movie?" And I'm right. Like, oh, I can yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to think what was the last that was not IP? I can't think of anything. Like the last big blockbuster yeah. that was original. Uh, I feel it, but I feel like originality and then that field's been kind of long, has kind of long been that way. And I feel like it's been that way since like maybe 2005. Because right. I feel like what, my theory has always been like once George Lucas was done with Star Wars, it turned into everybody trying to fill the gap of Star Wars. And yeah. Everybody trying to trying to recreate that, that. Yeah, recreate that franchise vibe of like, okay, once we release a new one, the fact that we can sell its name is enough to get people in the seats. Uh huh. So I feel like that that's just my theory, and I could be completely wrong on that. Or it could have been even earlier than that. I mean, franchising has been long since before Star Wars. I mean, they did it with Jurassic Park. They did it with, uh, the hell they did it with Star Trek movies. They've they've done it with everything. And even before then with like, say for instance, Charles Bronson films, like you would mm -hmm. say like the, the original Death Wish movies, those would be, you know, franchisable. But I just feel like Star Wars for our, for what we know, for franchising as we know it, that was after Revenge of the Sith.
in Star Wars. It was just a gap that needed to be filled for those producers in Hollywood. Yeah. But, I don't know. And so far now with the movies right now, speaking of the video on demand thing that they're releasing, is just I feel that they're not really giving the right kind of movies to put on demand that make people really, really, really want to watch it. Like, the only right. one I felt compelled to watch was because of my little brother, and that was the Scooby-Doo movie, uh, Scoob. Uh-huh. And that okay. one actually that one actually was pretty good. I That's thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, it could have been better, but, I mean, for what they were handling, they did a good mix of trying to mix, like, newer animation movie styles, but they held on to a lot of the original Scooby-Doo cartoon. Like, they kept uh-huh. the sound effects. They kept a lot of the same style gags. But the thing where I just kept getting annoyed watching it was the voice acting. Really? Why? The guy, they had Will Forte play Shaggy. Oh. And it was not good at all. It was really, really bad. Every, most of everybody else did all right. Like, Zac Efron was Fred, and he did all right. Amanda Seyfried was Daphne. Um, they could have, I don't know, the Scooby-Doo was all right. The, the Scooby-Doo voice acting was all right. It just felt like the Shaggy, for Shaggy being one of the most main characters in the movie... And then hearing him talk all the time, I just kept getting annoyed hearing his voice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I can see how that would be annoying. It was, it, it had a lot of charm, though, with it trying to retain the original Scooby-Doo formula in it, but still innovating on it. Because, like, they even did their own version of the intro, the, the Scooby-Dooby-Doo. So they did their uh-huh. own little version of that, and it was really fun. But... I guess one thing we can kind of segue into the next thing is like when we're not video, you know, video on demand watching, we're rewatching movies. Right. And Wait, that's but, kind of what we've Before been we go there, I'm sorry. I Here. was just, I had, I had to look at the, the top movies of 2019. Everything was based off of IP. Really? Everything was based off of IP from Marvel, Toy Story, Lion King, Aladdin, Spider Man, Dark Phoenix, Shazam. Well, Godzilla, that's... that's, that's that Godzilla's yeah. an IP now, I would say that. Dumbo. Well, okay, Rocket Man. A, Rock, but that was based off someone's life. That's Pokemon, a, Joker, Annabelle, Spider-Man, It, John Wick, Fast and the Furious, Star Wars, Frozen, Jumanji. Top 17. Jumanji, all, Jumanji, I will I will be devil's advocate for Jumanji, considering how new it is. It was and Jumanji it's how, 3. And, no, but look how d- different these Jumanjis are from the Robin Williams Jumanji. But it doesn't even matter. It was still Jumanji 3 from... The other one with, from, with the It's still a okay, maybe I'll from give the you Dwayne that, maybe, Rock one. Maybe I'll give you that. Though. Yes, it's still... <laughs> you're at 3. You are no longer new. Um, the newest thing on here is Shazam. That's like the newest thing. Shazam felt like a movie of its own kind, though. Even for it being a superhero movie, it yeah. felt a lot like I was watching like Big with Tom Hanks. That's right. What, that was the vibe it gave me. Right. Everything more else, than it did a superhero movie. Right. Everything else is literally, literally a two or three, or it's Marvel, or it's like Aladdin or Lion King, which is just live action from a cartoon. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you're not giving your, if if it's not IP, then what is it really doing as far as like making money? Not I was like, I mean, the best movie of 2019 to me probably was Parasite, which obviously is not, but it's, that's not like a box office hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So yeah, but no, okay. As it wasn't. Was it wasn't hit. It was a hit, nonetheless, though. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it deserves. And my thing, I, my thing, I want to say about Parasite is the thing I find hopeful from it winning that award was that I'm hoping that it introduces more people and kind of gives them a much more bigger push to go out and watch more foreign films, especially right. Korean films, because. I have been trying for so long to tell people like the Koreans make really good movies. They make the best movies. I'm telling you, they mm-hmm. make so many good movies because like one of the best movies my friends put me on was Old Boy. Okay. If you've ever seen that. I have not. I would highly recommend it. It's the best revenge movie I've ever seen. And it's got one of the best fight scenes ever filmed. Mm. With one it's one of the big best ones are like where it's all one shot. Oh wow, okay. And it's a guy like in a hallway fighting like twenty dudes with just a hammer. Oh, wow. And all of the, all of that one shot is from an exterior shot of the hallway. Oh. So they do like they like fake took away one of the walls in the hallway to just uh-huh. show him fighting those guys. Nice. So it, it was really cool. And then for the fight, they even showed like people. It wasn't so choreographed. Like people were tripping over themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, people who got hit were getting tired. And mm-hmm. I, I really like that. I really like that attention to detail. But movies like Parasite should kind of show people like, oh, I should watch a movie like Old Boy mm-hmm. or even more movies with Bong Joon-ho in it. Yeah, like, like uh, another good Korean one that I saw was called Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. And it's a super, actually scary zombie movie. It's uh-huh. weird to watch a zombie movie and actually feel scared. Uh-huh. But it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Okay. It's so good. Uh-huh. It's such a scary movie for watching zombies. And now they're about to release a sequel to that one. Okay. Where it's a whole new story, raising the stakes and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's going to hit big theaters and stuff. So now... I'm hoping this starts a new wave of right. the acceptance of like foreign movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't like scary movies, but I'll watch it with the light in the daytime. Without oh the yeah, on. it'd be fine the light in the daytime. Okay. Plus, it's so again, zombies are so over the top. I feel like it's easier to not be. Yeah, like as like okay, yeah, this zombie's out. not gonna come in yeah. my house. Yeah, it's night. not like watching like you know when a stranger calls. Yeah. See, anybody got time? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I definitely agree. Definitely agree. Okay, well, that's that's two recommendations that I'm definitely going to have to take you up on. But speaking of watching new stuff, I was going to say we've been talking about movies that we rewatch. And especially during this time where you're not going out watching new stuff, mm-hmm. we're left rewatching movies that we do like. Mm-hmm. And I guess we, I guess kind of a, a teaser for later is that we do, we've made a list of our top five most rewatchable movies that we're going to go over. We'll just go like back to back movie per person on that. But the first thing we should probably talk about is what, in your opinion, in your perspective, what would you think is what clarifies a movie to be rewatchable? So for a movie to be rewatchable, it has, for me, it has to be something fun. The stakes can't be too high. Um, the story can't be too tricky because I'm I'm watching it in and out. I'm like I'm up, I'm like I'm going to the restroom. I'm at home. Someone might call my name, so I don't have to it's pay like that much attention to detail. Um, but most importantly, it just has to be fun. It has to be fun. It doesn't necessarily have to be funny, but the stakes can't be too high, and it's just like a nice like feel good couch movie so like a movie to me that's recent that's super rewatchable that nobody no one likes but i love was the um charlie's angels the uh, elizabeth banks version of charlie angels that came out in 2019 like that movie is so 
super rewatchable. Like it's so rewatchable. I feel like I'm, I don't, I don't mean to say this to insult the movie, (laughs) but I just feel like that's probably a good example of like dumb fun. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what, to me, a movie has to be dumb fun to be rewatchable or not even necessarily like dumb fun, but it just has to be fun. Like sex in the city. Yeah. Something light. Are are there movies, are there movies you would say in your opinion that are like so bad they're good? Um, probably, probably something like, oh, see, I don't think that movie was bad, but it will be something like a knocked up or something like that. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Seth Rogen. I know a lot of people don't understand how he's been able to make kind of like the same type of movie over and over again, but I love them all this. Like, I will still go to the theater and watch them. I enjoy like, so like any Seth Rogen movie, cause they're not really... With the exception of Superbad, because I feel like Superbad had a very good message. Um, it actually we'll, broke we'll, my heart. But, we'll, we'll get into Superbad. Yeah, but like I, I love those kind of movies. Those are like the epitome of rewatchable because it's like they're so no stakes. They're no stakes. They're silly. Would not happen in real life, but like I don't know, they're funny, and I just like to watch them. Um, but in your, I guess my the broader question of it is, would you say that a movie has to be objectively good in order for it to be rewatchable to you? Not at all. Not at all. Like, I mean, was Charlie's Angel like a good movie? I'm sure most people. Would I can say, say no. I can say objectively no, but I feel like at the end of the day, whenever, like, if, for instance, whenever I try to review a movie myself, I try to say like. There's the objective quality that I want to say, aside from my feelings, like I can say, oh, the cinematography is good or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or then I can say there's the entertainment value. Yeah. Because there's plenty of movies that I tell people all the time, like, I can tell you objectively this movie's fantastic all the way down to its detail. I can just tell you I don't get much entertainment from it. Uh-huh. Which probably the hottest take I'll probably ever have is probably that I don't really get entertained that much by Harry Potter. Although I can admit objectively, okay. it's amazing. That Everything. Is a it, take. Yeah, okay. The Harry Potter series is a ten out of ten. I can admit that, but I can just say I don't get entertained as much. I get uh-huh. too distracted by it, uh-huh. and I'm somebody who just kind of and I'm not. I don't necessarily nitpick it. I just get so kind of caught up in that world that uh-huh. I feel like I kind of ask too many questions. Right. When right. literally part of the fun is like, oh, it's magic. Right. When exactly. Just, it's like magic. Like we were like just last night we were watching. Yeah. Uh, the Rick and Morty. Yeah. We're not just Rick and Morty. We were watching uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, okay. And yeah, I kept yeah. asking questions. I was like, why do the stairs keep shifting? Like what what's what's it's the useful Exactly. So I'm not I don't think I'm probably the target <laughs> audience. Yet. But to be fair, I'm a hypocrite because I will watch Star I'll watch Star Wars and somebody will like force lift like a mountain over somebody and I'll be like, ah, oh, it's just the force. <laughs> so maybe next time we should say it's just the force. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Everybody. So yeah, if we watch Star Wars, yeah, if we watch Star Wars and you start picking apart the plot, which you really can with Star Wars, <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, it's just the force. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're good. Okay. Um, so I would say... I don't know. I I think depending on the rewatchability in my end for that, I think it's about. Um, I would say a lot of it has to be about what personally entertains you, which probably feels like a moot point, kind of mm-hmm. like redundant to say because it's your personal thing. Uh-huh. But I feel the need to say that because I feel like with kind of 
all the people that talk about movies these days, it's always like, if the movie isn't the best thing ever, it's the worst thing ever. Right. Or if it's not a movie that everybody unanimously agrees is this amazing thing, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be watching anything but that. Right. So, like, for instance, Avengers is really good, but now it's becoming a thing where it's like, if it's not Avengers, it's not good. Right. And I can admit there's so many other superhero movies that give me more stuff. Like, for instance, very hot take. I think Batman versus Superman is one of the best superhero movies I've seen in a very, very long time. But... Okay. I can say that. I can say that subjectively. A spicy thing. I can say that. Six. I can say that very <laughs> subjectively, and say that it's that I I just feel like people these days should focus much more on what makes them happy with the movie. Now, mm -hmm. if a, you watch a movie just because the visuals are good, okay, mm -hmm. watch it for the visuals. But if you like the story, if you like the acting, like it's okay to like one particular thing in a movie and that's what keeps you coming back to uh -huh. it. And you don't have to think that the whole movie's a masterpiece. Right. The movie doesn't have to be a masterpiece. There's plenty of movies I love that aren't masterpieces and I can admit it's got faults somewhere mm -hmm. or maybe it should focus more on other things. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I like about it is what keeps me going. Like right. For a movie like Joker where I like the color scheme, I like mm -hmm. the, the set design, I like the music, I will come back for that. I mm -hmm. don't have to like everything about the movie right. you don't have to like the movie 100 percent of the way yeah. that's why we have metacritic scores right that that don't tell you like the movie's likable or not likable they tell you on a percentage scale the likelihood of liking it or the uh -huh. percentage scale of how likable it is uh-huh so that's how i feel it should be that way um i would say Another thing too is a lot of it has to do with the age of the movie too. A lot of people feel like the only re the only kind of movies you can like are old ones, and therefore if it's old, it's good. There's plenty of oh old my shitty movies, and there's plenty of new movies now that are some of the masterpieces that right. have been the best in the history of movies. Right. So it's it's whatever you make of it, in my opinion. Right. Don't even get me started on old movies and like the best movies of all time because nine times out of those nine times out of ten those movies. Have like some yeah. crazy racist undertones. There's, there's, there's the only white I, people in, in them. Opinion, there's never the misogyny such a thing is rampant. An, in my opinion, there's never such a thing as an objective ten out of ten. You can have a subjective ten out of ten where you'd be like, "That movie is a ten out of ten to me. It appeals to me mm -hmm. a lot, and I love that." But I can't. That's why it feels weird, like for me trying to like maybe review movies on here because it's more of. I just want to share my thoughts on it, and if you, you know, if you guys have the same outlook on it, then I would say if you agree with that same outlook I have on movies, I would say I would recommend seeing it right. versus saying this movie is a bad movie. Do not see this movie; it's a bad movie. Right. For instance, like if I were to review a Harry Potter movie, I could say, look, I wasn't entertained that much. I kept getting distracted, or I wasn't feeling as immersed in the story. But that shouldn't be what tells people to not see it. I shouldn't right. take that in turn as a critic and go, this movie's bad, therefore you shouldn't watch it. Right. Because technically the movie, I can objectively go and say, look, the movie on a technical basis is doing everything just fine. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Well, I think that people just want to know your opinion, right? Yeah. Literally my YouTube channel, all those opinions. Like, it's just my opinion. Like, I think this show is good. I think this, like... For example, Dark Phoenix, which I reviewed in my summer movies last year, I didn't think Dark Phoenix was that bad. Everyone was like, Dark Phoenix was trash. It was so this. Like, the I movie's fine. The movie is, what do you want? It's, it's Dark Phoenix. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick drink break and bathroom break, and then we'll be back and we'll do our top five most rewatchable movies. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Be right back. And we are back. Had our little bit of a rest. 
because it was getting real heated. Really heated. A lot of hot, spicy takes. Yes. Apparently, according to you all, <laughs> my takes were spicy. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's hotter takes to have. I've seen hotter takes. I got a buddy who's like, you ever watch those amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield? Oh, yeah. They were not good. No. I got a buddy who will... That's the hill he's willing to die on. What? Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? Absolutely not. He swears to God that his, like, his, like, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, like, one of the best, like, movies ever. No. That's the hill he's going to die on. I... I don't know what his perspective is on. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where know he's getting either. that from. I'm going to respect his opinion because <laughs> he actually is a really smart guy and he knows a lot about his movies. And, you know, he, he's, he's got a lot of good insight on stuff. But that's just the one thing where I'm like, really? That? That's what you're... No. Like I said, I might be worried. The hill I'm, uh, the hill I'm always willing to die on is Batman versus Superman. Ugh, okay. That that's is my hill. hot, hot take. That's my hill I'm um, willing to die on. Maybe Justice League think, a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't think Justice League for a was while. Like for a while, I tried to defend Suicide Squad, but now I can just say Suicide Squad's just dumb fun. I will rewatch Suicide Squad, but I didn't think that Suicide Squad fun. was that bad. But see, I think, I think the writing of... was really bad because it was like so rushed, and they weren't sure whether or not they wanted to be serious or funny. Uh huh. But I liked the action. I liked the character dynamics, but I feel like it could have been a lot better. But. Speaking of rewatching, okay, we are here talking about. Uh, we made a list of five, you know, five rewatchable movies that we really like. Um, at first, we we're calling it top five, but we've, on further thought, we were both just kind of like, we're just yeah. going to say the movies as right. we're going because I feel like ranking it's going to kind of, kind of, you know, mud the waters. Here, right. Agreed. Versus agreed, agreed. just talking about why these movies are good rewatchable movies. Okay, but, well, I have a question. Wait, did we talk about can a good movie not be rewatchable? Oh, yeah. I think there's plenty of good movies out there that aren't like as rewatchable. Like, for instance, movies that are super long. Like, right. part of the thing is length. There's like a ton of really good movies that are like extremely long. Like, for instance, like part three of Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. I think that's the best part in the trilogy, but I really have to... It takes a lot of commitment for me to watch it because I'm going to sit down and watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not as rewatchable because I have to take into account, do I really have three hours of my time right. to watch that? Right. Which is why I don't like watching movies at home. Yeah. Because it's just like, am I really going to sit here for two hours or an hour and a half or an hour and 45 and just sit down and watch this movie? Yeah. Like... I'm not going to do that. Like, there's other stuff I could be doing, um, which is why I don't like watching movies at home. Because am I going to go to a movie theater? Am I going to go have an experience for two hours? Absolutely. But I'm not about to get to do that at home, which yeah. is one reason why for instance, I prefer going to the movies. I haven't rewatched Avengers Endgame since I saw it in theaters. Even when I got Disney+, Plus, I, I just haven't gone to it. I think I saw it in theaters twice. I think I saw it twice, but I, I just never, after I saw it in theaters, I just never watched it at home again. Right. Because I'm just, I've, every time I see it and I'm like, oh, should I rewatch it? I'm just like, I don't have three hours of my time to watch it. Right. If I'm with somebody who's like, oh yeah, I really want to watch it, then that's kind of an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that. I think that's perfectly feasible. There's plenty of good movies that I don't think have as much rewatch value. Right. Just like there's plenty of video games I play where I just play it all the way through and I'm like, all right, one and done. Mm-hmm. I really don't need to go back. 
Have you ever played? I'm not that steeped in the video game uh, world, but I know like a little bit. Have you ever played a video game and not played it through? Not played it through? Like all the like way through? Like not finished it? There's a lot of games I still have yet to finish. Like, oh, okay. But I, it's not like, oh, I gave up and I'm just done playing it. It's just, I, I, I was going to say I play like I have ADD. I have ADD. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, my brain's just attention span is just like, I'm in the mood to be like in a shooter or I'm in a mood to play the Spider-Man game or I'm uh-huh. in the mood to be, you know, doing fantasy stuff. So I just, my mood shifts all the time for what I want to play. So there's so many games that take me a while to play because I don't get, stay consistently in the mood to play it. Uh-huh. Even when it's a new game, like, uh, like the game you and Tommy have been seeing me play a lot is like the Dark Souls games. Like I'm, I'm a new fan of these Dark Souls games, uh-huh. but they're very challenging and intense. And it's just like sometimes I'm not in the mood to go through that hard of a grind. Right. I'd rather just go through like, oh, well, maybe I want to do a more story driven thing or uh-huh. stuff like that. So I, I, I play like every single kind of gaming genre. So mm-hmm. it's just hard for me to stay focused, but. The only game I ever stayed focused on all the way through, and I played it so many times that I've every single piece of it memorized, was The Last of Us. Oh, wow. And I played that in when I was 15 years old. Wow. And I know that game like the back of my hand. I know every <laughs> line. I know every piece of lore. I know the gameplay down to the note. And I'm excited because part two is coming out on Friday. Oh, fun! And it okay, was just, that's the game, that's the game. And I just really liked Last of Us because it felt like the perfect bridge between a movie and a game. Uh-huh. Because the move, the cutscene stuff made it feel like a movie and it made you feel like you were playing in a movie and I know well-written movie at that. Mm-hmm. And I'm even more excited because it got picked up to get converted to an HBO series. Fun! So HBO's doing it and they're keeping the director and the writers of the game. Oh, cool! So it's just a full conversion and it makes me really excited because it's just an amazing story uh-huh. and I remember I forgot I, I played it for like the billionth time like about two years ago and I knew everything that was going on but I still like cried at the story oh wow is it's, it gonna be on HBO or HBO Max it's gonna be on HBO okay it's it's gonna be a while they just now announced that they're doing oh, okay, okay. it so they haven't they even started have, yeah, casting or filming like or that. anything okay so it's gonna be a long time before it's out but I would say like for somebody like you that doesn't necessarily play it uh-huh. they do like if you just go on YouTube and like type in The Last of Us the movie uh-huh. they take all the cutscenes and cut and edit them together so it feels like you're watching the movie oh wow okay and I've been playing it with Kimmy alright cause she had saw my excitement for the second one she goes well I don't know the story and I said here you sit while I play the game and you'll uh-huh. watch the story as I play it and she was invested in like the first 10 minutes yeah I swear to god yeah Oh, that's cool. And I it's used to do so, so good. It's such a good game. I just, oh my God, that game's so good. I As soon as I played that, it's just no doubt, question in my mind, been the best game I've ever played in my whole really? life. Really? It's never been a competition. Mm-hmm. There's no competition with any other games. It's a, it's a competition for second place. Mm-hmm. But number one is always The Last of Us. Always Okay, The Last of Us. Okay, interesting. And I, just, I think part of it, I liked it too, is because it came at a time where everybody, including me, was kind of fatigued with like the post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. zombie thing. And it did a whole new thing where the sto- apocalypse wasn't the story. The apocalypse is the setting. And the right. story is all character driven. Right. And even with the apocalypse stuff, they made it new and unique. And so instead of it being like, oh, it's a viral mm-hmm. disease, it was like now it's like a fungus 
that grows inside your body and then it grows in your brain. Oh, Lord. And so, like, those people that are infected are kind of, like, instead of being, like, zombies that bite you, they, like, claw at you. And they just, like, claw at your skin. And then for the ones that are infected long enough, the fungus grows over their head and their brains. Oh, wow. And so they can't see, but they click out of their mouths. And they oh use gosh. echolocation to see. So they're called oh clickers. Oh, my gosh. So when you see them, they're, like, uh-huh. all over the place. It's fucking crazy. I, it sounds crazy. And then when you play it and you're seeing it, it feels scary and intense. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a horror game, per se, but... It's just more of a survival game because you fight right. humans. You fight humans like other survivors, along with fighting those mm-hmm. those infected. But it's just it's really good. You get good gameplay and you get great story. And again, it's not centralized around the apocalypse. The apocalypse is just kind of the setting, right? So it kind of okay. services itself. Okay, that's so cool. I, 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 it's it's a weird way to say not necessarily a movie recommendation, but if you find like an edited version of that story on YouTube, I would recommend it. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, I've got three uh, recommendations that I have to look into. Yeah, you got to start throwing some my way. Right, I, right, You right, probably right. will with this list, though, <laughs> if I haven't seen I'm it. I'm pretty sure I have not because, um, <laughs> you know, for me, like I said earlier, um, for, some, for something to be rewatchable for me, it just has to be, like, fun and frothy and lighthearted and just like a message that like I can take like within my life. Yeah. Um, so I um, I, I resonate with that. A mine lot. is not anything like too deep or too it's like very just like fun. For me it's a lot of it like you said is the story. If I feel like it's resonating <clears> enough <throat> with my life or my views on things, it's much more easy for me to jump back into. And then for me, a lot of it's also technical. So if I really like the visuals of something or I like the, the way they go with the cinematography or, the, or even the music, it's, it's another reason for me to come back. Right. Which I'll bring up one of those examples. Yeah, you know? I mean, but, I'm definitely a fan of like cinematography and it's something that's shot very beautifully. And like, you know, okay, so there's a difference between something that's shot beautifully and something that's like, beautifully shot yes so like joker is something that's like shot beautifully no yeah shot beautifully because like the so the the what we're looking at is like ugly it's like gringy and gritty but it looks like so like real and just like crisp and it like get, makes you have like a reaction to it versus something like queen and slim which is a movie that i did not like um well, I'm not going to say I didn't like it. The movie was good. It just had some problems. But the problems that it had were, like, pretty big. But it was it was so... It was shot... Everything was so beautiful in the movie. Like, the cinematography was... Like, everything was just so luscious. Like, even down to... Like, they're driving in the car a lot of it. Like, it's like the surroundings and even the car. Oh, the surroundings and even the car it just looks so nice and luscious even the food like everything gets the drinks everything just looks so good and luscious now the story no but the cinematography was guess and even really the directing was like really well but so yeah i definitely get how you can like other things about a movie but like the actual movie, like the writing and the, no. So yeah, 
I think that that's definitely a case. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I think that answers the question: Can a good movie not be rewatchable? Do you have any examples of a good movie that's not rewatchable? Yeah, like I said, there was Endgame. Oh yeah, just, and you said Lord of the Rings, the last Lord one. of the Rings, or maybe, like I said, maybe movies that, like I said, I can admit are good, but just don't keep my attention span as well as others. Uh huh. Like uh, even, like I said, if I was going to use Kill Bill as an example, mm. Kill Bill is an example of a really good movie. But I don't pay attention to it as much, so I wouldn't value it as high as rewatchable value when it's gonna probably end up being background noise for something uh-huh. else that I'm doing. Like I might pull out my switch and start playing it. Right, 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 right. I don't feel as enthralled by it as I would. Okay, drag say me. Okay. <laughs> but we could start with our list. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go first. You could pick your first one and why you like it. <laughs> okay, so I'll actually start off with Kill Bill. All right. Oh wow. God damn. <laughs> Dragged it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, Kill that's Bill. Why it's your, it's, that's why it's your rewatching movie, not mine. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go with Kill Bill. Um, really one and two because even though two two is more story, which honestly I like, and two two has a uh, pie may, which I love the pie may scenes. Um, and I just I, I like Kill Bill. It's just I. I, I always like say like oh I love Uma Thurman, but I don't even know any other movie Uma Thurman was really in that I've seen outside of like well besides the movies like I know she was in like Pulp Fiction and my girlfriend my super ex girlfriend yeah my super ex girlfriend yeah but like then I was literally about to go like you know Uma Thurman she was in Kill Bill Pulp Fiction my super ex girlfriend yeah. And- that's about it. Yeah, like, I, so I don't even, but I, so I can't even necessarily say, like, I love Uma Thurman, but I love Uma Thurman in this film. Like, I thought that she was so good, and I love, I love seeing, uh, like, women fight scenes. I love seeing women, like, fight, especially, like, hand-to-hand fighting scenes, and I thought that, um, On a side really note, good. what did you think of Atomic Blonde? I like Atomic Blonde. The thing that I, the thing with Atomic Blonde because I love Charlize and James McAvoy's in it. So what? It just wasn't as fun as I thought it was gonna be. It was not as I thought it took fun. itself a little too seriously. Yes, it, it could have been a little bit more fun. It did, but I had fun with the fun. Yeah, it was good. Me and Kimmy actually went to see that movie. It was. It just wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. But it was a good movie. I do have an episode on that. It's a very poorly recorded episode, so I don't know if I can recommend you listening to it. <laughs> Because it sounds like absolute dog doo-doo. <laughs> but it's... It, it, I, I feel like at least I got my thoughts on it across. Yeah, so... It's act- just very fun. I was actually thinking about Atomic Blonde when you were talking about Oh Boy. Was oh, yeah, in the, the fight hall, scenes, the, yeah. the, So I was thinking about her fighting. Yeah, and how they're just like... They're fighting, but they're like tired. And they're like breathing heavy. And they're like... And so I feel like that was one of the first movies that I saw that it really showed how much work and how tiring fighting someone could actually be. So, so yeah, I like the Tommy Blonde. I just wish it was a bit funner. If it was more fun, then it probably would have been up there for me. Um, but it, it just was a little, it was a, it was like, it was fun, then it was serious. And it was, it just wasn't like, if they would have went fully on serious or fully on fun, I would have liked it more. 
But yeah, no. But I love Charlize. Like that's my girl. She's she's a she's she's my friend. So yeah. So Kill Bill's gonna be uh is definitely one of my top five rewatchables. So what about you? All right. I guess one I will go into is uh Sicario. Mm. Have you ever seen Sicario? I have not, but I've heard about it on uh, I The Big Picture. can't recommend that movie enough. It's from one of my favorite like directors of recent memory. His name's Denis Villeneuve. Okay. He's a French-Canadian director. And okay. he made like the Blade Runner 2049. He made okay. Arrival. Okay. He's made so Right now, he's making the remake of Dune. Okay. I'm really excited for Dune. I'm so really excited for it. he's making that, and he just makes the coolest movies. And when he takes these background themes like whether it's morality or something he puts it not only in the writing but in his visuals as well okay and with sicario a lot of it is about like the gray lines of morality because uh-huh. uh okay. i guess the okay. elevator pitch of it is that it's it's about uh this woman who's played by emily blunt and she gets recruited to help uh with a special task force that fights mexican cartels Okay. But this task force is like super dirty mm-hmm. and super crooked. And I love do Emily Blunt, so and I'm in. I'm the, so the, in. the team is led by Josh Brolin. Okay, and it's his team, and everybody's super like dark and dirty. And then the background, there's this mysterious guy, and you don't know what his deal is on the team. And he's the Sicario, and he's played by uh, Benicio del Toro. Oh, okay. And, okay, I love every, every name you get said. I'm obsessed and, with, and it's just this really cool. Um, it's this really cool moral dilemma that they bring forward because a lot of it is everybody has the same goal, which when you look at it in a just a clear black and white manner, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yes, of course, everybody has the same goal. That's a good goal to achieve. But then it's like what justifies the means to that end. And it's just really cool. And they play with that in the color scheme. Like, for instance, Emily Blunt is always wearing blue. And then uh-huh. they always have... Uh, Josh Brolin wearing like gray and different colors like that. Okay, I've actually then, started this movie. Daniel Kaluuya's in it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then okay. Benicio del Toro will wear. Um, he'll wear, uh, like blue and cam and like uh, in the what's it called beige. Okay, and, khaki. Yeah, and khaki. They'll 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 mix the colors that everybody's wearing and they'll mix the colors of their own background yes. to represent that. So, okay, I, so I remember this movie. A lot movie. of it feels like a painting. Yes. When you watch it, it's just so visually amazing. And it plays on a lot of the things that we would expect to be like moral black and whites in movies. Like, Uh for instance, like movies like The Punisher or like any other classic revenge movie where it's like, oh, you you murdered my wife and kids, I'm getting revenge. Right. It plays on the expectation that, oh, that's, it's okay. But then it plays on more of like, well, is it okay to maybe kill children in order to receive, receive your revenge? Right. So it, it it plays on a lot of like what. Revenge, oh, I'm what's totally the watching of that. Revenge. What's the? How would you classify professionalism in something like justice versus getting your own version of revenge? And I just it's so cool because every time I watch it, I'm, it always poses all these different questions where I'm just like, wow, I didn't think of that, or it just and then especially these days when people talk about you know justice and like law enforcement and things like that Uh it just it plays on a lot of what the limit of somebody should be in a position of justice right what because you can't when you when you operate in a in a in a system of justice you can't be using your own personal justice because then look 
yeah. at what we've got now. Right. Versus when you operate on what everybody's supposed to agree on is the that form of justice. Right. But then you have to also ask, is that agreed upon form of justice okay? Uh-huh. So it, it just, it, it's like, a, it's just a giant Pandora's yes, box. Yes, I remember this I movie. It. I have it on my Voodoo account. I'll give yeah. it to you. Yeah. Oh my it's, gosh. It's just so good. And the acting is top notch and there's so many twists and turns. Yeah. And it's just so good. And every scene is realistic. Like there's a scene with, um, with, uh, there's like an, a, a, I don't want to spoil the scene exactly, but for people that have watched it, there's this scene where there's an attempted murder. I guess that's what I should say. There's an attempted murder going on and the way it's filmed feels so visceral and realistic of somebody was actually getting murdered. Yeah. And stuff oh my like God. That. I'm totally, I'm, it's, cause I started, I remember, I, and I definitely should have put Daniel Kaluuya on my top uh, actors because I will oh, literally his see... Oh, role, his role in that is really good. I would literally see anything he's in as well. Like, Daniel... And he's just so handsome. Um, First time I saw him was Black Mirror. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. I really The only movie like I Daniel didn't Kaluuya. get the chance to see him in besides Queen and Slim was um, Widows. Oh, God, he Widows. was so good in Widows. He looked intimidating. He, he was His eyes... Um, he was so freaking good I'm, i should probably shouldn't be clapping but if he was so freaking good in widows like he was so good i'm like, yeah okay i'm like watching that movie like asap like i'm definitely gonna watch it. okay that was a very good pick that was a very good You're pick right. um oh should i put it try put it on the other side like this yeah like well like have it on the answer like i have it on my right side so that way the mic sticks outside the shirt um, Technical difficulties. Exactly. Okay. There we go. Okay, so hopefully so, that's so, better. Yeah. Uh, but no, so yeah, very good. Um, so it's back in your court. What, yeah. What would you say is another so, one for you? That, um, okay, so my next one is going to be Harry Potter. Because that's probably my number one movie um and so god the first i, I was right? over here talking shit on kill bill then i was talking <laughs> right, shit on exactly. harry potter so if i had to choose one to rewatch, uh all the time it would either be i'm gonna choose one i'm not gonna say the whole series so it would probably be the order of the phoenix because i guess like the order of the phoenix has so much it had a lot of story and a lot of action yeah. um That's so the that one, one right that is the fourth one. The fifth one. No, yeah. you're right. That is the fifth one. Because the sixth one is the Half-Blood Prince. And then the seventh one is Deathly uh, the Hallows. Deathly Hallows. So, yeah. I, I was talking with Kimmy while we were in the theater watching um, Sorcerer's Stone last night. And I was confused on the order of the Defense Against the Dark Arts. Uh-huh. Which one is the one where there's that old lady that's always wearing pink and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's was uh, that Order of the Phoenix? That's Order of the Phoenix, we, yeah. We, I forget which one also was the um, one with breach. that guy with that had the giant eyeball. That is Goblet of Fire. Okay. okay Moody. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. I think I'm getting it now. Because I know the third one was that guy that was a werewolf. Yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, that was uh, Lupin. Yeah. So that one, I, that one I knew for sure. And then the second one is the guy that's a fraud. And yeah. Then I never saw the sixth one, so I don't even know. Yeah, that sixth one is, um, is it Snape that finally gets, that finally gets it? Yeah, I think it's Because there's a different, there's a different defensive dark arts teacher 
in each one. In, in each one, yeah. I think Snape was probably the one in the sixth one because I heard Snape was was in one of them, and I don't think it mattered in the seventh movie because the seventh movie's the Deathly Hallows, and that's where they're yeah, going to the school. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I probably would have to choose um, Order of the Phoenix because it gets it's the one that it does really well with the action and the um, the story as well. All my picks are like super like cheesy. There's nothing like I think, I think it's fine to like. I cheesy, think though. Kill Bill is the most prestige that you're gonna favorite, get out of these. For me, my favorite cheesy movie besides like Spider Man. Uh-huh. Like, the like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is Evil Dead. Oh, okay. Which is well, the I same love director, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I, which is I feel like put some respect on his but name. Evil Dead, I just love the cheesiness of Evil Dead. It's mm-hmm. not on my rewatchable list, but I, 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 I don't know. I probably shouldn't say like, oh, I'm going to do an episode over this because I'm sure <laughs> the people who listen are like, fuck off, you're not going to do it. <laughs> but it's just, and it's hard to make the episodes, especially with ones where I have to do a lot of research and mm-hmm. I have to have the time to do it, and I'm very busy all the time, as you right. probably come yes. to know, I'm very busy. Yes. But I just want to do an episode all about Sam Raimi's movies, mm-hmm. and he's the best. He's my second favorite director after Quentin Tarantino. Okay. But just he is the king of making a cheesy movie, and not even like, oh, I'm just gonna make it cheesy. Like he does it so self-aware that he's uh-huh. being cheesy he knows what he's doing and he uses that to kind of play to his own right story. right and i just have never seen anybody do cheesiness better than him mm-hmm. i've seen people do better elements of cheesiness like better cheesy gags right but him using it in the context of his own movie it's just so good okay but i i agree that it, it's fine to like cheesiness in movies yeah completely especially My something like harry potter frothy. it's about wizards it's got to be cheesy right yes but it's so real i guess i guess look i guess harry potter is it's, it's definitely like up there for me so yeah but it only gets down goes down here from here but it's fine oh. i it's my truth i own it so yeah it's gonna be mine what about yours all right i guess my next one maybe i should do let's see should I do a comedy one this time? I'll probably do a comedy. Uh, the Graduate. Okay. With Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Is, that one is an older choice. Yes. But I... Oh, that movie still makes me laugh to this day. Have you watched it? Okay, I've never seen it. That's another one I would I would definitely recommend because I'm a big fan of like awkward humor. And okay. Like cringy, awkward silences from people saying shit. Oh my gosh, and okay. The character is super relatable to me, the main character, because he is somebody who just will like awkwardly just like accept what's going on with the situation because he's too awkward to say no. Like somebody who's so afraid of conflict uh-huh. that he'll just be like, if somebody says something to him that he doesn't agree with, he's like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Okay. And, and so it's so funny and then the story like the premise is so interesting that I like I was glued the first time I watched it mm-hmm. which is he um, it's a guy that recently graduates college mm-hmm. and he does he's like not exactly what to share what to do with his life and so mm-hmm. he goes with the depression but then he starts having an affair with um, his uh, one of his parents friends okay like his parents friends who's like uh, you know, like one of the moms around the neighborhood. Yeah, is she married? Yeah, she's married. Okay, okay, so okay. So he's having a secret affair with her. This right, whole right, time. right. And then eventually it starts boiling into other stuff. I don't want to spoil the whole plot. Yeah. But it's just really cool that it, it just it goes in a lot of different ways, but it keeps the central ideal. I don't want to say message, but central theme of it because a lot of it's capturing that feeling in your youth of like. 
okay, I've done this big thing that everybody says I should do. I've done this big thing. What now? Right. And so his whole depression and stuff in this movie is like, okay, I completed college. I did everything everybody told me to do, but what now? Right. Like everybody's saying like my life's going to come to my hands. I'm it's done, but what now? Right. And then even at the end of the story, he's even like, okay, I did the thing. I did the thing that every cheesy movie wants me to do. I've done Mm -hmm. it. What now? Right. Okay. Okay. And it's, and that was the start of like that me, I guess it's a meme now of like everybody playing sounds of silence when people are sad. Uh huh. Or is this the hello darkness? Yeah. That was the start of it. Cause the first scene is him like going through an airport on like one of those, like, uh, those like escalators and he's like just blank faced and it's playing that song. Mm-hmm. So that was the start of that use of the song. For oh, wow. Okay. So it, it's, it's just really cool. And then the comedy is really good. It sounds really dark and depressing, but I swear yeah. about it. It's That's a comedy. Like, Wait, is this a comedy? But yeah. yeah, you say a comedy. Okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's a comedy. And just the way it handles that is super funny because again, it's just, it, it plays off a lot of like awkward interactions because again, uh-huh. his character starts the story being like a massive like pussy because he's so afraid of awkward confrontations. So right. whenever he's like, I feel uncomfortable. I think I'm going to leave. They're like, no, sit down and have a drink. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then it just comes back down. So he'll even go like, I, can I, please leave i'm very uncomfortable can i please leave they're like no sit back down okay (laughs) so it it plays a lot of awkward humor which is like my favorite kind hence being like a basic bitch and being like a fan (laughs) of the office and a fan of parks and rec i love the office i I love love the the office office. as as basic as i can admit that is but i mean i can say i feel like the people are like they don't like the office is like being contrarian yeah but then it's also the same people who which um, I'm gonna shake the table a little bit, but not really. It's the same people who don't watch Game of Thrones and they think that they're cool because they don't watch Game of Thrones. I can and it's say like, I don't like Game of Thrones. Okay, that's partially bro, because the books ruined it. You me. were you're like one out of a million people. Like it's like cool to say you don't watch Game of Thrones. It's like okay, girl, you don't. It probably watch Game didn't of help that their last seasons didn't you know land some. The last Even fans. season was trash. As someone who's a fan of Game of Thrones, the last season was trash. But anyways, um, yeah, no, no. But the, the office is good. But okay, okay, cool, cool, but cool. But like I said, I just, I, I, I admit that I what I like about The Office and, and shows like that is I like awkward humor. Uh-huh. Humor based off awkward situations that make you cringe a little bit. And I like The Graduate because it's very realistic. And how it approaches that humor. Right. Okay. This is super side note. I'm, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but what's your favorite character from The Office? Oh, my favorite character? Creed. Oh my God, that's my favorite character too. Oh, yeah, it's Creed. Creed. It's Creed. <laughs> it's Creed. you don't know what you're getting with Creed. Creed is so funny, bro. One of my, oh, favorite, yes. one of my favorite quotes from him is just like, I've been a part of many cults. Sometimes <laughs> as the follower, sometimes as the leader. You make, more, you make more money as a leader, but you have more fun as a follower. <laughs> God. Or the what is it on? He goes, no, nobody disrespects Creed Bratton and gets away with it. <laughs> the last person to do this, his name, Creed Bratton. <laughs> like, Creed is so funny. Oh my. Okay, I'm not gonna go on a whole thing, but yes, Creed is definitely my especially, favorite. I won't too. go too far in it, especially <laughs> since I par- I promised one of my comedian friends we would do a whole episode about The Office together. Oh, okay, yes, okay. Well, I won't step on his toes, but no, it's so, so funny because Creed is absolutely the funniest <laughs> guy. character on the show for sure. Okay, okay. So my next one is gonna be um, a definitely an oldie but a goodie, but I'm gonna have to go with Casablanca. 
Oh, really? You're yes, a Humphrey I, Bogart fan. What? Okay, I'm screaming at this point. Um, Yes. Humphrey, I really like... Humphrey made me want to smoke cigarettes. No, not really. But That's I, what it was back in the day, though. I love... Even, like, the Maltese Falcon was so good. Like, I love Humphrey Bogart. I think that he was just, like... He was just so cool. He was just so... Cool. That was is an era so of Hollywood cool. we don't really get as much, where it's just there's a lot of these celebrities that just embody cool. Yes, he's even, just even, so cool. Even people that I don't know. Do you have any other favorite older actors on a side note? Because I, I don't get to talk about that. Um, much oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, I did like. I mean, not it's not anything like super spicy, but like Gene Kelly, like of course Singing in the Rain. Um. Of course, everybody always talks about Gene Kelly, but nobody talks about the other guy who I can't even remember. His a lot name. of people talk about Grace Kelly too. But um, I liked Gary him. Cooper. Yeah, but I'm not like that familiar because you know it wasn't a lot of black actors at the time that were making money like that and doing films Fair like enough. that that were not like mammy characters and like Gone with the Wind or whatever. But I do like Humphrey Bogart, and the reason why mm. I even know, I mean, who hasn't seen Casablanca? But the reason why Humphrey Bogart in particular is because. Um, when I was in college, I took, I was, a, I'm a, I, I am, I have, I don't know, my minor was philosophy. Mm-hmm. So I took a philosophy and film class and we watched, not a ton, but we watched a couple of Humphrey Bogart's film. And I was just like, I like him. Like, he is cool, man. Like, I like him. And so I, um, after, after I watched some of his movies in that class, I went and just kind of like, I went like, I bought Casablanca, I bought Maltese Falcon, I bought, um, I bought another one and I was just like consuming whatever I could get on him because I guess really, I just really liked him. So yeah, um, I'm definitely have to go with Casablanca. And I mean, literally it's like a classic. It's not controversial at all. Oh like, yeah, no. Casablanca, you like, can't go wrong with Casablanca. Yeah, it's like, good. like, oh my God, we'll always have Paris. And when I finally went to Paris, I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I really, uh, so yeah, that's going to be mine. Casablanca. Casablanca is good. It's just a good one. On a side note, I would say an older actor from that time period that I love for a weird reason is Judy Garland. And that's because oh, okay. I love her voice. Okay. Her voice is very soothing to me. Okay. I, and so I will watch anything from like, oh, A Star is Born to, you know, even Wizard of Oz just because I find her voice very soothing in a weird in a uh, weird way. Okay, interesting. I know, uh, what's her name? Just did Judy, who she won her, Renee Zellweger. Oh, she yeah, she did Oscar play Judy for, Garland. Yeah, she won her Oscar uh, for that movie, which I heard was really not that great, but, you know. I just feel like her real-life story is a little bit too sad for me to try to watch in an actual movie. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I know who she is, but, like, I don't know who she is. She but, had yeah. massive drug issues, like, depressingly bad drug issues the whole time. Mm. And it's, like, it's not as fun watching it. I mean, granted, you can't just, like, pick and choose, but it's, like, I can acknowledge it's sad right. and depressing, but also, like, I don't want to watch a movie where that's getting rubbed in my face. Right, 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 right. So I'd rather exactly. just not watch that. Yeah, so, yeah, mine's Casablanca. All right. Then I guess and I should probably back that, uh, back that up with another oldie but a goodie, in my opinion, and it's The Godfather Part 1. Okay. I love okay. Part 1. I, I, everybody talks about how Godfather Part 2 is better, and in a sense, yes, it is. But I just love 
the way the story is paced in Godfather Part One, and it feels a lot like watching like how teachers would describe like Greek tragedies and the mm. whole fighting of destiny thing. And these days, you know, the whole idea of destiny in movies is something like Star Wars, where it's like, oh, it's your destiny to do this. It's your destiny to wield this blade right. and stuff like that. It's much more fantastical. And I liked how The Godfather was just this story of a guy who is like obviously going to be a part of this mob family because it's what he's born into but he fights it with every fiber of his being and so does his family help him fight it and everybody's against him being this family and yet he still is thrown into that destiny right. he's still thrown into that for himself and the way that's happening to himself happens from like the first second of the movie right and Obviously, it's it's the epitome of like the mafia film. It's right. just that is the perfect description of like how a mafia operates. But then it mixes, in my opinion, like all these cool like ancient like not ancient, but like it feels like there's war tactician stuff right mixed into the actual plot of like a mafia movie. So instead of like oh we did a drive by on Tony, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he's over here getting his baby christened, and at the same time he's having all of these mobster kings right. of the city getting executed all in different ways right, right at the same time. Yes. So he becomes you know king of the mob in like two seconds while yeah. he's having his baby christened. Right. So it's it, I just feel like there's so much dichotomy and there's so much. Um, back and forth and there's so much about you know the duality of man mixed in uh-huh. and it feels so much like a character struggling his own destiny while also leaning into it as it goes along plus like I said before the music is so good um, the music's good all of the acting is phenomenal like even characters like when you watch the beginning where they're at that wedding mm-hmm. even people in the background are acting super well mm-hmm. and there's the music, there's the cinematography. I love the scenes where he's hiding out in Italy. Right, and... which was, um, okay, I have thoughts on this movie. Yeah. Because this is one of the movies that I actually watched in my philosophy of film class. Mm-hmm. And because it's so long, it is like long. at the beginning, my professor said, you have, to, we're going to start class 10 minutes early. And you have to stay after 10 minutes late so that we can watch this movie. And he was like, I mean, I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't X, Y, Z, but like, this is how we're going to fit the entirety of the movie in the class. However, do know that the first 10 minutes of the movie is the most important and and the the last last 10 minutes minutes of the movie movie is the most important. So do with that information as you will. That's how we're going to. So, yeah, the Godfather was really, it it was good. It was really good. I did. I, I like, I had not watched that movie until that class. And, um, I didn't realize how many like really good actors, like actors like that, are old now. Like, start, were in that movie. I was like, damn, like it's a lot. Like, oh my gosh. So yeah, no, The Godfather. Yeah, very, very, very good. Um, very good pick. Very good pick. Very good pick. Godfather and, was good for and sure. And like I said, another old actor that is, I don't know if you count him as an old actor. Well, both are. Is Al Pacino. And, yeah, yeah, he's uh, old. I can't believe I just forgot his name. He played uh, he played the Godfather. I forget his name. Oh my god, I was just thinking about him this whole time. Why did I forget his name? I literally was thinking his name this whole time and then I just forgot it. Um Oh my god, anybody who's listening, this is gonna be screaming right now. I know. Um I was just I'm looking at him right now. Yeah. Um and, uh, I'm literally seeing every movie he's in, every line he's done, he's like, I could have been somebody. Look at the massacre of my boy. Um 
Are you looking it up right now? Yeah. I'm going to fucking be so angry Wait. at myself for not knowing his name. Well, maybe you'll think about or, it before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I Damn know. it. I hate I myself. I'm, a, I'm not a real movie fan. The podcast <laughs> right. is over. It's over. It's over because Take I can't remember Marlon down. Brando's name. Damn. Take all the episodes down. But no, yeah. those are two other actors that came from that era of Hollywood that mm-hmm. I think brought a lot to it. And there was a lot of really good acting in cases where you really wouldn't expect that much acting. Again, mm-hmm. from a mobster movie, you really wouldn't expect an intense, intense feeling from a character like regret or depression or even like aspirations for anything other than their current setting. Yes. So I, I find that stuff really interesting. Yeah. For older movies that they have the depth that newer movies are trying to surpass from them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I like that one. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to you. Okay, yeah. So another one for me is going to be... I definitely am going to say Eat, Pray, Love with my good sis Julia Roberts. Um, I literally could put this movie on. I'm so pissed it's off Netflix now. I mean, I own it, but of course, like... Give me the elevator pitch. I have no idea what it's about. What? I see, I see people talk about it all I the time. I have no love. context as to so what this thing is about. So basically, I mean, it's like literally the froth, the frothiest of the froth. It's, um, who's the director? He, the director actually gets on my nerves. Ryan Murphy. Ugh. Um, he does make some stuff that I like though, but Ryan Murphy is the director. And it's basically like a woman who she was in a marriage. It was vanilla and she was bored and her husband was brainless and so she leaves him and she basically goes discovers herself she goes to three different countries and she basically eats she prays she goes to she eats she prays and she loves she goes to rome then she goes to i think india i think india she goes and then she ends up in bali it's her last place and it's really just like her journey of like self-discovery and life and I just love it so much it's such a feel good like feel good movie and like you know your life can really you can start your life at any time you can go and like I mean she basically just went on a sabbatical and um I mean I love Julia Roberts um Javier Bardeen is also winning oh which I, yeah, I, I love, love Javier Bardeen Javier. he is so handsome. I've ever since I saw him in No Country for Old Men yeah uh, oh my god he's another he's one who can role, do anything I'm willing to see what he's doing yeah he's in it um I love him and his wife Yes, he was such. Yes, he was. He, he's it was so one creepy. Of the oh, he was so though. like. Yeah, he was good. So yeah, Javi's in it. Love him. Oh, he was. I he was in. It. He I love him so much. So yeah, I'm gonna go with um. I'm gonna go with you. Pray love. I it's just I just I just love it. I love it. It's a good movie for sure. So yeah, that's fine. Eat, pray love. That's another good one. Um, I'll bring mine which we were kind of talking about before. I said we would come back to it, and that's Superbad. Oh, okay. I love Superbad. Superbad. I literally could watch that movie every single day of my life, and I would not get sick of it. Mm-hmm. The comedy goes fucking off the walls and everywhere, uh-huh. and I love how it just amps up how crazy the story gets. And then I think the reason I keep coming back to those characters is because... That felt like my high school experience. Uh-huh. That felt like the only teen movie I had ever watched that felt relatable to my high school experience. Okay, right? are you like, Michael Sarah or are you Jonah Hill? Oh, I'm worse. I'm McLovin. <laughs> 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 I 
best thing I in the <laughs> No, I literally, my, was it my freshman year in college? It might have been my freshman year or it might have been my sophomore year. I literally watched that movie probably every day. I just never get sick of it. And I just, like I said, in high school, that was like the dynamic we had. Like uh-huh. I had with my friends where it was like, we were outcasts, but we weren't like, we weren't like the losers or the nerds. Right. Like we knew people, but we weren't like part of the it crowd. Or right, like that. right. And, and even then there wasn't necessarily an it crowd in that movie, just like there wasn't necessarily an it crowd in my high school. We just weren't right. that prominent in the social scene, but we knew everybody. Yeah, like so, you would get invited to the parties, yeah, but yeah, totally. That's exactly what it felt like. And even the dynamic with how they talk, it's exactly how I was with my friends where it's like, you know, we're all ride or die, but at the same time, we'll just say fuck you every five right. minutes. So I just like that because every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that's me and this friend. That's something yeah. I would say to my buddy Nolan. That's something <laughs> oh I would say God. to my buddy Duncan uh-huh. and stuff like that. And even then, like the stuff they would get into, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not good enough at doing shit like that. Like <laughs> like the fake ID, I would be somebody that's like, there's not even a last thing. It just says we're <laughs> He said it. He was like, I mean, it was between that or uh, Muhammad. Muhammad. And he's like, what the fuck would you do that between Muhammad? Why wouldn't you just pick a normal name? And he's like, Muhammad's like one of the most common names in your fucking book. Oh, my God. For me, that the movie thing, is hilarious. The thing I related to with McLovin the whole time is where she's like, how old are you? And he goes, old enough. And she's like, old enough to what? Old enough for what? And he's like, old enough to party? Party? <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm going to need to see you guys. Right. That would be me. I'd be like, old enough to to party oh my god yeah no super bad is definitely a good one for yeah. sure for so, sure that movie and this is the the humor just never stops making me laugh like mm-hmm. i've seen it so many times but i still laugh at like the security guard like catching jonah hill's bottle <laughs> and like killing the old lady and slicing his neck he's like you fucking killed her <laughs> he's like i don't think it's gonna happen like right that. Yes, that he's like, you is... better go in there and get that stuff, or I'm gonna cut your face off and put it over my face, and I'm gonna go <laughs> get it myself. So it's it just never stops being funny and everything. Yeah, it's and a good one. Minute That's to minute, it always is good. I definitely, definitely, definitely agree. Um, I definitely agree. Super bad is eight. It's very good. It's a very funny movie. Okay, so then my uh, last one, then I have um, an honorable mention. Um, but I'll just go into my last one right now. And it is The Gentleman. Like, I go. love The Gentleman. Um, yeah, like the last time I was out here, we watched it. And, you know, I can quote it pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Charlie Hunnam. I love Matthew McConaughey. Um, even, like, Henry Golding is, like, good. Like, his character was shit, but, you know. He, he wasn't he in was, there very long. Yeah, he was good at what he was doing. Mine was um, Colin Farrell, and Colin maybe that's because good. I'm biased because I love Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell's good, though. Like, it was a really good movie. Like, like I said, Talk I'm about a fan a good of Guy Ritchie. Movie. Yeah, I'm a fan of Guy Ritchie um, films. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm not going to say, I don't need to say too much about it because I just like it. I just like it. Um, and I mean, it came out last year. I would like I bought that movie. It's on got Yogi. really good comedy though. Yeah, I just, it's like, good. It weaves, it weaves in the comedy with like a very serious situation. Yeah, so yeah, so mine so, is definitely Gentleman. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's such a good movie. I love Matthew. I love Charlie. Um, and yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I really liked it. Even um, didn't even mention him. Um. 
what is his name? I'm looking at him. I can't believe I can't think of his name. Okay, this has just been a whole shit show. Not been able to think of people's names. Um, he was so funny in it. He was um the one telling the story. Not well, the one trying to sell the story. I can't believe I can't think of his name with his stupid self. It's gonna make me so mad when I find it. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant was oh, in it. And then even uh, Yeah, and then Jeremy Strong from Succession. Um, yeah, so it was just a good movie. That's I guess where really, that guy's from. Yeah, he's from Succession. I knew he was from something. Yeah, he's from Succession. So yeah, so yeah, that was that's I that had a really out. good just all cast. Of yeah. Then there was that girl from Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey that was in it, and yeah. she her dynamic with Matthew McConaughey was really fun. They had a good chemistry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's so that'll round out uh, my top five, and then I guess I'll do my honorable mention now. My honorable mention is gonna have to be The Devil Wears Prada because I just love that movie, and I. Can Kimmy that, never stops talking about Yeah, like that is peak and Hathaway for me. Peak and Hathaway. Emily Blunt's in it. Like so many Stanley Tucci's in it. Emily Blunt's in it. And Hathaway's in it. Meryl Streep. Like literally so many actors like and actresses that I like movies. are um, in it. And so definitely uh, even uh, Adrian uh, Adrian Greenier. I'm not saying his last name, but. Um, the dude from Entourage, I really like oh, him too. Oh, I know what yeah. you're talking about. He's yeah, the boy yeah, yeah, yeah. playing the boyfriend. Um, really liked it. Great movie. I love it. So yeah, Devil Wears Prada is definitely my honorable mention. And then um, if I wanted to have one foreign film honorable mention, it would definitely have to be. I think it's German. It's called The Celebration, which was really good. Um, Oh yes, I know it's what you're really talking good. about. Okay, yes. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. The, like the family comes together for their dad's. Uh, I think it's like his 50th or 60th birthday party, and then like family secrets come out. Um, that was a really good one, and uh, it's subtitled. I, I've never seen it dubbed. I've only yeah. ever seen the subtitled version, but I don't mind subtitles. I, uh, so I, there's a podcast I listen to, and it's like it's like a bunch of like YouTube critics that I watch, uh-huh. and they were talking about that. Like they do a thing where they like recommend a movie that the yeah. rest of the hosts watch, mm-hmm. and they were talking about that, and I was like, God, that movie actually sounds really good. Yeah, I, no, it's 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 really good. So yeah, those are my two honorable mentions, and um, yeah, so I would recommend those so yeah that's good that's a really good honorable mention i like that yeah i wouldn't i personally probably not gonna do an honorable mention because i'm probably just gonna say like oh star wars <laughs> because then it's like or i'm gonna say a movie that i like is like no doy that like <laughs> duh, people want to watch it because it's like again like star wars duh it, it makes sense why people want to rewatch yeah it. Like, I, I would just be that you know i would just be amongst a million voices <laughs> but one movie from a very famous filmmaker is my last pick and we just watched it okay but i feel like it goes under the radar so much it's not talked about enough is quentin tarantino's death proof oh well you know my feelings about that i death proof i i i I grazed on it a little bit when i talked and i when i had my grindhouse episode Mm -hmm. but my god is that movie just so captivating when i watch it my eyes are glued to the screen and I can't take them off. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, for sometimes when I think about it, I can't explain why because it's his most dialogue driven movie. Uh-huh. And there's so much talking and so much talking. A lot of it's just like 
like people just talking gossip or uh-huh. stuff like that, but where the actual violence and the action kicks in. But I like how the story's divvied up in two ways. The yeah. first half feels like a stalker thriller and uh-huh. horror slasher. Then the second half is like a revenge action film with with like a car exploitation uh-huh. mixed in. And the intensity of the action is so cool with like Zoe Bell riding on top of the hood of a car. Yeah, and I, I liked it. Two for Quentin Tarantino because everything felt intentional. Right. A lot of the times when I see his movies, it feels like he, sometimes when he does something, he's taking a whim on it, which isn't mm. a bad thing. It's a good thing to make a gamble off mm. of what you feel like something's good. But every single piece felt meticulously purposeful in mm. it all. Even casting Kurt Russell, somebody who's like who was like a big heartthrob in mm-hmm. his younger days, and now you get him not only attracting women, but being a lady killer, literally. Right. And doing this stuff, it, it, it feels like it plays on everybody's expectations of mm-hmm. something. And then that ending, my God. Yeah. The ending, I don't want to spoil ah! the ending, because ah! I have a feeling a lot of people haven't seen this yes. movie. Yes. But my God, Very you have to cathartic. watch the ending of this movie. Very cathartic. And to this day, I still say this, but it's got the be- the final car chase of the movie is the best car chase I've ever seen in any movie ever. Mm-hmm. It's the best car chase any movie ever. And that's including like the original French Connection. That's considered, you mm-hmm. know, like everything from the Born Identity movies, everything down to maybe even Vanishing Point. Or right. Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, like mm-hmm. all these classic movies, nothing beats that car chase. Right. And the intensity... And it's really good. It's, just, it's really good. And which is hard to tr- try to describe it for people because of how long the talking goes on. Uh-huh. But when the action's there, it's balls to the wall. Right. And even before that stuff happens, a lot of it's about building that intensity. And it's like, sometimes when you watch it, it's like, okay, let's get to the action. But that's what he wants. He right. wants you to be like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So when it's there, you're already amped up. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like a car's revving up the mm-hmm. whole time you're watching it. And mm-hmm. you just get going. And it's just so cool how that's handled and directed. That it's so good. It's so I'm, it's so good. It it's just so blows my mind that that's like considered his failure. Yeah, that's it's considered good. his failure or his humbling movie. And I'm like, how? How of anything that should be the boosting thing? Right. And his whole point, his whole point when he was making that double feature with Robert Rodriguez, his mm-hmm. whole point was like, I don't. Which probably ties to the whole thing of this podcast episode. Is he's like, I don't. He was saying, I don't feel like. People are really going to the movies for the experience, for the thrill of the movies anymore. People are just renting a seat and watching a movie and going. And he's like, Mm. you should have a reason to go to a theater. You're seeing this action-packed thing on a giant screen with the loud noises. It should be this big thing. This should be an event that you're going to. Mm -hmm. He's like, people used to get dressed up to go to the theater. Right. And he goes, oh, I want to bring back that thrill. Yeah. And both of those movies combined, if you watch Planet Terror and Death Proof back to back, it brings mm-hmm. that thrill yeah. factor in. I saw it in the theater. I saw I saw Grand House in uh, the theater. I, I didn't see it until it was re-released in Yeah. Theaters. I saw it. I, I, I was like, I want to see this because I was like, feel like high off the Kill Bill deal. And like, I was like, so ready. Um, so no, I, and like, um, that was the, your podcast episode of Grand House was how I was introduced to your podcast. Like, that oh. was the first podcast of yours I listened to. So, yeah, no, that I love that movie. So far, that's personally my favorite episode I've recorded. Okay. Was the, was the Grindhouse one, because I loved the research. I loved a lot of the background of what's behind those movies, mm-hmm. which I feel like it makes it more enjoyable than those movies actually are. Right. But then I watched Grindhouse itself, and it feels like independently. It's just that. Like, I feel like I don't need the background of that yeah. movie to understand that this is just a dumb, fun action flick. Right. That just wants you to just enjoy it for what it is. Right. Like, out of all of his movies, you don't really need to be that deep 
with it. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I, there's some ways to deeply inter, you know, yeah, you interpret can. his plot line of of death proof but you don't have to you can just watch a dumb action movie where there's mm-hmm. cars getting crashed and everything it's just so good it's really good it's really really good i don't even know who brought it up first you or me because like i said i was talking to my sister about it telling talking about the leg the leg scene uh was when we were driving her leg was on the dashboard and i was like every time i see someone's leg up there i always think about the death proof scene and then you're like oh i was like what right now let's watch death proof so yeah i completely agree i that is a very good movie for sure all right for sure well that was the last of my list um thank you so much lola for coming on thank you for having me thank you for thank you for helping me push me to get back on i hope this is a good way for me to keep going with more episodes because I, it is weird to actually meet people, not meet people, I know that's not what I meant, meet with people I know is really mm-hmm. what I meant to say, meet with people I know who've like actually got things to say about this and they've been like, oh, I actually like that you talk about this or do that. So yes. I feel, I always feel glad that I get to do it because I do have responses to it and I like that and I like people telling me what they want to hear from me and stuff like that. So I'm mm-hmm. excited and I'm, I'm glad that there, I just checked like my latest episode before this, which was like over a year ago, it was mm-hmm. published. It got 77 plays, which I okay. never, which doesn't sound like a lot. But no, that's me, a lot. But for me, it was much more than I ever expected. Right. I thought 30 was the max I was ever going to reach with this podcast. Uh-huh. So I feel really good about that. And I want to do this more and more and even go in other routes with other things. Speaking of which... Subscribe to Lola Lola's Opinions. Yes, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Lola's Opinions. Like I said, I do commentary, a bit of fashion, lifestyle uh, reviews. So, yeah, I'll have more um, movie reviews, TV reviews. Um, and, yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I love the podcast. I think you do great work. And, yeah, you know, I look forward to, you know, maybe being on the episode in the future. Yeah, of course. I yeah, this you will, good. We'll have you on for, no, we'll, like, I have this freaking studio here. You're, it's it's literally just, we're literally in my living room in pajamas right now with Literal X-Men pajamas. on in the background as if this is a studio. There's nothing professional about this. But... I'll definitely have you on for more stuff because again, I I value your insight on things because again, you're very concise and something I always tell about Kimmy, that's something (laughs) I love about her Mm -hmm. and I've noticed what's good about her, you you being her sister and her whole family is you guys are very real Mm -hmm. about your stuff. You really don't sugarcoat (laughs) a lot of things you say. And so I really like that about you, even in your YouTube videos where I watch you review stuff. Like I remember watching your summer movies video. Uh You're like, oh, I liked it or I didn't like it. Like that's that's how I feel. I don't want to hear like, I I mean, I do like hearing when people like certain elements, but I don't feel like you people should sugarcoat. Yeah, it's like this this is what it is. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So you're very real with that. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Uh, I like, I'm going to keep watching your videos. Thank you. Please um, make sure you guys subscribe. Yes, Lola's please opinions. subscribe. I'm going to leave her channel name in the description thank of the you. episode. Thank you. Thank when you. When I make an Instagram post, I'll tag you. Thank, yes, yes, for sure. And for then, sure. And I'll hopefully it. I can get on one of your videos. Definitely. Definitely. So that, that'll be fun. Definitely. But I'm going to try to give out as much content as I can. I'll actually try to post things on Twitter so I doesn't feel like I disappear yeah. entirely. Because I disappear <laughs> from social media entirely. I'm going to try to be better about that. But... Uh, Thank you very much for listening. 
Um, stay safe because yes. there's a pandemic out there. There's definitely a pandemic, so rewatch some of these movies yes, that we yes, recommended. Yes, please rewatch some of these movies. You got plenty of things to watch during your quarantine. Yes, so yes, yes. Have a good day. Stay safe. God bless. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye.